What's up, man? How are you? Good, man. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me, honestly. <laughs> I was so impressed with uh, your performance from that past UFC that I had to I had to talk to you. I was like, yeah. that was... I've seen guys make, like... You were always a very dangerous striker, from obviously, from the Gokan Saki fight. Everybody got, everybody got to see that. Mm -hmm. But to see how fluid you were against a beast like Eric Anders. I mean, Eric Anders is a scary cat. Yeah. He's, he's coming for blood, right? And you were so fast, man. It was crazy to watch. It was really interesting. Thank you. Like, what, if you had to give yourself a percentage leap that you've gone up over the last year, what do you think it would be? Compared to like... Well, who you were before that. Not that high of a leap. I mean, not that high of a like leap. that performance for me was... Like, I feel good about it, but that was only four months. So I'm like, I know that there's so much more for me to gain. That's right. why I'm like, yeah, I got to go back. So the leap, not not too much because I know there's still a lot more to go. Mm. A lot more. Yeah. Wow. So you've decided. So for people who don't understand what we're talking about, you went to Thailand. Mm -hmm. You spent four months down in Thailand. <clears throat> And, um, you, you, dude, you f were fighting like a Thai boxer. It was crazy. Like, Mark Delagrate, who uh, works in the production truck, yeah. he's the guy who picks out the instant replays. He and I talk back and forth sometimes while the fight's going on. Mm -hmm. And Mar Mark, you know, with his heavy Boston accent, like, dude, classic Thai. <laughs> he's classic Thai stance. <laughs> and he was just so light on that front leg. Dude, wow. dude, that inside leg kick was so ferocious. It was fun to watch, man. So it's just... Usually wherever I go, um, I've always been good at just like kind of absorbing the culture. I'm a guy like I can go into a room full of people and I can just kind of pick up what the energy's like. And that's another reason why I wanted to go to Thailand. So just the way that they train and the discipline, the power, but the relaxation, like everything I was learning, just like, man, there's so much more to Muay Thai. Mm. So I would just, even the days that I didn't train, I'd just sit around and just watch these guys because Muay Thai is more than just punching, kicking elbows. Man, there's balance. You know what I mean? There's there's repetition. Like how many kicks are you throwing? You know, the guys at the stadiums, they're like, they're kick, 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 kick. Yeah. Like, so I was able to learn a lot, man, and there's still a lot to go. It's beautiful to see someone on that pursuit. And I think it's... um it's much like Roger Mayweather said about boxing. Like most people don't know shit about boxing. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, it's like, if anybody is going to say that, he's going to say that because there are levels and layers and there's, there's paths to go down. And it's interesting when you see someone f uh, like c committed with a very, uh, like a very specific style, like your, you know, like your adoption of that Muay Thai style. So it's so effective has a striking style. It's really interesting when you think of all the different ways to attack with striking, yeah. that that one way became very particularly successful. You know what? Before I even started training MMA as a whole, um, my first mixed martial, my first martial arts class was a Muay Thai class. I knew that I wanted to train Muay Thai or learn mm. Muay Thai. Um, and... So since I've started, I always thought like, yeah, I want to go there, you know, just maybe it's cool. But um, Muay Thai has always been my thing, but I had never really learned it like the actual way, you know, like mm. from, from the root yeah. of, uh, of where it comes from. I always just kind of like passed down or like Brazilian style Muay Thai, right? you know, like shoot the box type stuff. So mm. um, that's completely different from stadium Muay Thai and most people don't know shit about stadium Muay Thai, you right. know? like unless you go to unless you go to Bangkok. Let's characterize it for people. You, okay. Would you say that that Curitiba style is just way more aggressive, 
different uh, different way they utilize techniques. Yeah, it's not it's, light on the front leg. So sometimes they are like more Shogun would be light on his front leg a little bit. One thing that they were doing a lot that's pretty similar is just like they go at it, shoot the box, they'll go at it, yeah. and you just go until the other guy stops, pretty much. Um, but from the shoot the box, I was like very combo based like punches and kicks so like one two like you have to memorize these crazy combos cordero is he like i think he's one of the guys that just like passed it down a lot mm. diego lima th- guys like that but yeah they have this system and it's very like combination based um memory slipping punch kick all this stuff but the ties are just like it's just straight kick you know like punch you you fall down on that front foot elbow Knee, it's just uh, it's broken down completely differently. Hmm. Um, it's just a whole a whole different style. Yeah, it is. Like so, the the shoot the box stuff has punches, kicks, knees, elbows, combinations, same tools that you're going to use in Muay Thai, but Muay Thai has got a whole different game plan. Hmm. You know, clinching. Like I've never trained as much clinching in America as I have in Thailand in just four months, and I've been fighting or training now for like nine years. So just in four months, I've gotten more clinch time in thailand than i have you know in my whole career and that's mm. because it's a whole different game you got to master the clinch in, in in muay thai you have to for effective like real true muay thai are you getting a lot of wrestling over there yeah so that's one thing too i heard um i heard shop talking about it um tiger has amazing like it's a, an amazing gym 40 to 60 guys on the mat from everywhere. Chechnya. Wow. You know, in everywhere and everywhere, man. Those guys, they come there maybe for a week, maybe two weeks, mm-hmm. um, maybe for a month. But you're getting constant um, good training, uh, grappling, everything, MMA, boxing, CrossFit. Ev- everything you need is in one place. It's, it's, it blew my mind being there, honestly. Um, that's fascinating. And you're – are you – the coaches that you were working with before, are you still working with them and Thailand? Or are you just going to, I know you talked about actually moving to Thailand. Yeah. Yeah. The plan is to move there like as soon as possible. Really? Yeah. So I was like hitting you up like, Joe, I want to get on your show. I want to talk a little bit. Um, but yeah, I want to, um, the plan is to move to Thailand like within the next couple of weeks for at least a year. And I want to go there just because I can just train. The, the lifestyle is completely different. I can walk to the gym hop on a motorbike. It's just, it's so simple. Um, but to a- answer the question about my coaches, um, I always have my brother in my corner. He's just kind of like moral support. We started this together. Um, I had a conditioning coach slash friend slash mental type of like support, um, Lorenzo Pavlica. And then my head coaches have switched probably two or three times in the last couple of fights. I had Kenny Johnson from Black House. Um, John Wood from Syndicate, and now I have George Hickman from Tiger Muay Thai. Yeah. And so this change that you decided to make, uh, did it come after the Johnny Walker fight? Yeah. So the Johnny Walker fight, like, that camp was tough, man. Like, I was doing so much to try to improve in my wrestling and grappling because that was always, like, a big hole in my game. Um, So I spent so much time wrestling over at Black House with, Kevin Casey and this guy that I fought, Blake Troop, they're huge. And these guys are great grapplers. So Kevin Casey's a powerhouse. Yeah. He'll put you into the ground and he feels like cement block on yeah, top of you. So it's old school Hicks and jujitsu. Exactly. That pressure, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would, I would just grind myself into the mat every day for that camp expecting like, okay, 
I'm comfortable on the feet. If it goes to the ground, I'm ready. And um, I, I think I just completely lost sight of like my striking, my Muay Thai in that fight. His size, everything, I just kind of froze up, man. I was just like, uh, I didn't know what to do, how to get there. So well, it's all part of the education, right? I mean, this is what this this career of fighting that you're you're on this path is what it's all about. Yeah. And, and fighting for me is like big self-awareness too, you know? I think it's always important though when a guy has a setback to see how he responds. Some people get discouraged. Some people get encouraged. Some people just decide like they're going to be much more committed and that's what you did. You just, I mean, making that move to do your camp in Thailand and seeing how it paid off. I mean, Eric Anders is a very tough customer and you essentially shut him out. Yeah. I mean, it was very, very impressive, man. That was the, that was the, the plan though because I knew he was tough. He's tough. I've trained with him before. I sparred with him before that, everything. And, like, he's – I've watched all of his fights. The guy's hard to put away. We were making a case for the fight being stopped. Yeah. We were making a case. I mean, DC was saying, like, we can stop this fight. I was saying it. I was like, you're, you are fucking his legs up. I didn't like, even this think is, about it during the fight. I wasn't like, I'm God, sure you weren't. Stop it. Yeah. But that guy's so damn tough. He kept coming, man. Yeah. I mean, he he never stopped trying to win that fight. Yeah, there's no quit in him. None. I mean, even in the, in the Santos fight, remember? Yeah. Like, it was just do going. Or they were, do or die. Yeah. No, and then he a, tweets. He's like, I haven't been that tired since like my wedding night or something like that. He's always got good good tweets after the fight. I, Shout I out to Eric Anders. <laughs> I love what John Anik said too. He loves when he fights because then Bruce Buffer has to say, "Your boy, <laughs> <laughs> your boy, Eric, your boy." <laughs> hey, why does it? Where does he keep his suits, man? He's got a new suit. Oh, every, he's, he's he a just, bad motherfucker, dude. The insides of him always has like different decorations and shit. <laughs> they commemorate different places where we're at. Bruce Buffer, he's he's got style. I just imagine him have a level on his house, just oh, oh yeah, like, I'm sure. like a mall. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. go to a, to a Nordstrom or something, but his is just all <laughs> suits that he's worn before. I mean, unless he donates them, he might donate them to charity. <laughs> that might be one of the or auction them for charity or something like oh, that. That'd be good. Yeah, he's a he's a fun dude. He's the best ring announcer of all time too, man. When that guy starts wailing, yeah. you get so pumped up. Seriously, he, his fucking head gets red. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's so intense, man. Like if you watch boxing, they're much more smooth. Yeah, man, Bruce Buffer gets <laughs> into it, man. He digs in. I remember seeing him first yell at like at TJ Dillashaw, and he was like, oh. yeah. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> he gives you goosebumps. He really does. He gives you goosebumps. Yeah, you just feel his energy, right? You're just yeah. like, I'm there wait, ready for a fight. Like, I'm kind of nervous. And then Bruce comes over like, yeah, out of the blue corner. You're like, oof. I'm right. talking about a dude who blew his ACL out from jumping up in the air while he was reading someone's that? name. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's how intense he gets. Bruce, he blew you're a tough his dude. knee. <laughs> just fucked his knee up from just getting crazy. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, it's, Joe, really quick. What do you, what do you got? Okay, so um, remember I told you to turn your airdrop on yes, yes. during the show. Um, so I didn't want to come here empty-handedly. So I haven't slept in probably mm, 24 hours, more than 24 hours. But last night I was drawing, and I know you like art. So I was like, oh, yeah. let, me, let me draw these illustrations for you. So I just want to send them to you. Okay. So turn your airdrop on. It's on. And as soon as it comes through, I'll send them. But yeah, I really just like, man, yeah, I just want to, if you want to keep them, use them for like wallpapers or post them up, whatever you want. You made this? Yeah. I did all these, man. Dude, that's, I look ridiculous. Yeah. I did the little like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'll put it on uh, Instagram later. Cool, man. It's very cute. <laughs> what it looks like, man. I'm getting ugly. As I get older, I see pictures of me when I was <laughs> no, younger. No, I saw this, this so picture prettier. of you in the gym and you had this like crazy face. I'll actually show you the the um, the actual one. It's really Oh, good. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. I was going crazy during this stupid cha- fitness challenge I was having with my friends. We were working out, doing yeah. six hours of cardio a day, trying to beat each other. and So stupid. And that's and when I was taking that picture. That was a good one. I was like, yeah, let me, let me copy that one. <sighs> So yeah. when you uh, decide to move, are you taking anybody with you? You go solo? Mm, I'm going to start off going solo. Um, I would like to get, you know, my brother to come visit. I'd like to get my mom to come out. Really? As it's many, awesome out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and just cheap and just yeah. kind of simple living. My And my mom, I don't think she's ever left the country. So I think it'd be really cool for her to go out there. But at the moment, I'm just really like – this place is great for my career right now and mm-hmm. great for my training. So I just want to get there ASAP and how, get back to work. Sorry. How do you, um, account for jet lag? Like, do you, do you just, uh, like, do you give yourself enough time to adjust to the time difference? You know what? The whole time I was there, I would, my sleep schedule was off. I never adjusted. So mm. I was going to bed maybe two thirty AM every morning yeah. and then like get up, run at five and then, you know, Get tired later. Get yeah. tired later. Yeah. It's weird, right? The schedule is all off. And then when I came back, it took me like a week or two to adjust. So I was uh, disappointed how stupid my body was. Yeah. Like, hey, dummy, go to bed now. <laughs> I'm telling you, just go to bed now. <laughs> like, my, I didn't know my body had such a rigid schedule. When you jack that thing sideways and you're on the other side of the planet, your body just really doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Seriously. And then for me, being stuck in that plane for so long, oh, yeah. it's like, ugh. Yeah, you're too big for them little seats, too. Yeah, so man. when you do that, if say if you have a fight in Vegas, and you're mm-hmm. going to go from Thailand to Vegas, do you show up two weeks early? Mm, yeah, well, this is my first time um, flying back to the States after being in Thailand, and I flew uh, a week early. No, I flew two weeks early. One week I stayed in Vegas, and then fight week stayed in Atlanta. And okay. I think that was perfect timing. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. like, you got a little, a little difference in time mm-hmm. between those and two. weather, too, man. It's so mm. hot. Like, we train outside, and it's humid and mm. hot. So, um, between every round, it feels like you know like the third round of a fight if we're going into the championship rounds i've never been there but i'd imagine that it'd feel very shitty and uh that's how it feels every round in thailand it's just like you're covered in sweat Mm. hot thick yeah that was probably like my fifth round or something like that and we dude i was dead by this point Mm. shout out to the editor for making me not look as tired as i was (laughs) Yeah, so we're, what we're looking at, folks, for the people who are just listening, is uh, a bunch of videos of you training, strength conditioning, pummeling up against the, the wall. So you're getting everything down there. Yeah, and that's yeah. Joseph Henley right there. He was on the uh, on the Ultimate Fighter. I forgot what season. They called him Leonidas. He's a black belt out there, and he helped me out a lot, man. There's You run into so many different people, and he's like, yeah, like black belt any type of grappling you want any positions you want to work like we'll go over it we'll create a system whatever and mm. so he was really big help in this Beautiful. preparation for this fight yeah a bunch of free spirits live in there right oh, so many yeah. so many but everybody's down there with a goal yeah. like they want to get in shape they want to get healthy or yeah spiritual path whatever it may be yeah there's something romantic about the expat living in thailand having a good time you know mm-hmm. yeah. something romantic about that so it's interesting yeah it's know? really cool yeah, I mean, that whole culture, man. I mean, the, the Thai and Muay Thai culture, what a phenomenon. If you look at combat sports, 
I mean, this one that it's so tied into these stadiums. It's so tied into gambling and mm-hmm. betting. It's so, I mean, p- kids get indoctrinated into it at a very young super age. Super young. Super young. It's there's wild. There's guys at the gym that I was at, um, little kids. They'd come right after school and they go to Muay Thai training. And they're training just like the older guys. And then they go right back to ho- like home, eat dinner. <sighs> but that's just their lifestyle. So it, it starts as a kid. It's like go to school, Muay Thai go sleep and then as an adult it's like muay thai feed your family muay thai feed your family these guys live at the gym man jesus they live at the gym and they go home maybe two days after a fight just to take care of their families and then come right back to the gym and get ready for the next fight now of course at tiger muay thai you know you guys everybody knows uh, various people in different organizations Mm -hmm. ufc bellator what have you, uh, one FC. But what about those guys that are fighting in those little small Thai gyms and stadiums? Like how much access do they have to grappling? Or how do they ever, do, do they, are they th- satisfied to just do Muay Thai? Or is there at all like a movement in Thailand to start there, doing no, MMA? Es- like especially doing? at Tiger, um, a lot of those guys are coming over to the MMA and, and learning jiu-jitsu and wrestling. Mm. One of the guys I was learning to clinch from, um, he was like a, He's got probably 300 fights, mm. um, 300 Muay Thai fights, and he started training MMA and taking MMA fights. So it's def- they're, they're definitely opening their mind to it and, and, and hopping in there, and there's access. In Bangkok, it's a little different because um, that's very, like, stadium-based, you know, mm-hmm. like high-level Muay Thai, and uh, they're not too focused on MMA. There are a couple MMA gyms, but if you want to do that, if you want to get the best of both worlds, it's in, it's in Phuket, a tiger. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, in, is there any MMA at all in Bangkok? Uh, they got a couple places, but nothing with like, at like pro fighters or any mm-hmm. high level fighters. But they do okay. have they do have maybe three or four MMA gyms there, with just guys stopping in or guys who practice you know a little bit of everything. I'm always really interested in countries that figure something out better than everybody else. Yeah. When it comes to leg kicking, like nobody figured it out any better than the ties. <laughs> it's like no one argues that, right? No, seriously. And yeah. their shins, man. Like <sighs> I think they're just that's done for. They don't even feel the front of their legs anymore because they can right. kick anything and they're getting kicks checked. There's guys that Joe, they'll fight one night at the stadium, go five rounds, and then sleep. And maybe the next day go fight like another small event or a smaller Jesus event. Christ. Sometime even in the same night. And it's like, man, aren't you like your shins don't hurt, your elbows don't hurt, nothing. And these guys, they're just like, they're bulletproof. They're used to this, man. It's crazy. Wow. And they're first time in my life, I go into a locker room and the red and blue corner is both in the same room, probably as big as this studio. And they're all getting their hands wrapped together, getting massaged out together, everything. No weird energy in the room like you know in the ufc like they separate us we have to kind of be separate whatever purposes but like in thailand they're just like hanging out same room you know talking whatever and then they just go fight right after it's so weird like the the peace it's it's so weird man it was the first time i experienced (laughs) that and i was like maybe i can start lightening up a little bit like it's only a fight and that's kind of something i had to tell myself um for this one i had to like really fall back and rely on my training because i was really nervous i was nervous to start um to try the new stuff that I learned out. Mm-hmm. I never threw many leg kicks in any of my fights. Um, I never really did that stance. Everything that I did was pretty much brand new. Um, and I was really nervous. I was like, what if it doesn't work? You know, like so many different, so many different feelings. And um, 
for this one, I, uh, the only thing I can tell myself was like, rely on your training and a few other things. I actually got, um, I got like hypnotized too before. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> who did it to you? Um, my friend Dominique, um, he has, he has this, like, I met him through one of the, um, one of the other UFC fighters, like Julian Marquez. I met him, I met him through him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I do, like, hypnotism, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. I've done it before. I did it in California. And um, so I think three weeks, two or three weeks prior to the fight, we had a few sessions a week where it just, like, helped me to really get that visualization clear because we have so many thoughts all the time, right? And everything mm -hmm. just, like, thoughts are constantly coming in and to stay focused and to really, like, like get the outcome that we, you know, set our intention to. It's kind of hard with so, so many distractions. So when you go into his office and or wherever you do it, mm -hmm. and you guys talk about it, do you set a goal before you start the session? We do this thing called timeline therapy. So it's like I'm just kind of sitting there with my eyes closed, and um, we kind of just do this. We'll pick a subject, whether it's like you know pain, fear, you know nervousness, something. We'll just pick a subject of feeling mm -hmm. whatever's going on, and. Um, it's kind of just like a visual timeline of like, where did this start? Where did mm -hmm. it come from? What's the event? Whatever. And we kind of just talk about that for a while. And um, I just kind of dig to this place of where the nervousness is coming from or where the, you know, where the fear is coming from or whatever. I kind of just, I find a place on my timeline and I dig from it, whether it's in the future or the past, whatever. And um, then we get things clear and then, um, and then after that, he kind of helps me, guides me into this like hypnotism, which is really just like a really deep relaxation. If I wanted to open my eyes or something like that, I feel like I could, but I wanted to relax. I wanted this to help, you know, mm -hmm. I wanted my vision to be clear. So I did my best to just like surrender to the process. And I'd say it's not something where I woke up and I was like, oh yeah, my life has changed, but, um, I can definitely remember the thoughts that I had so that I can stay more on like in that, yeah. in that lane of what I wanted. And in my, in my hypnotism, I actually visualized not winning the fight because I didn't want to strive too hard to win. Like, it's just something that I've been kind of studying. It's like the outcome is not really like the winning or losing. I don't want to base too much on that. I just want to put on like a great performance. So I visualized after one thing, hand, like just having my hands in the air, seeing my brother smile, my coach smile, and then slapping hands with the crowd um, on the way out. And then I was mm. also like, and I want to see my win bonus and my show money. And these are the things that I wanted to see. These are the outcomes that I wanted. Not so much just I want to win the fight, but the things that I like how I wanted it to happen. Yeah. And having that vision clear, it helped me. And so like, Everything that I visualized before that, it happened. I was like, cool, hands raised, slap hands with everybody on the crowd the way out, signed both my checks. And that was like, that was the end of it for me until the next session, until I want to get clear on something else, you know? It was cool. Wow. So had you done anything like that before? Any mental coaching? Yeah, any, before the Gokansaki yeah. fight, I did something very, very similar. Yeah, with, um, with another guy. Was um, that the first time you'd ever done it? First time doing hypnotism... Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, my friend Matthias, he's here and, uh, he's really good too. And he'll just like take some notes. You kind of just have a conversation in the beginning and everything comes from 
your unconscious mind. It's not somebody telling you something. Mm -hmm. I just dumped out whatever my unconscious mind was telling me. He was just helping me to like relax, be at peace and just listen to like my unconscious mind, just un unfold all of these kind of like hidden answers that we mm. all have, you know, so it's, that's it. Now, when you get hypnotized and you're thinking about a specific fight, do you think about specific things that you're trying to accomplish, things that you think you'll do to him that you'll have an advantage at or strategy or like how do you – So uh, those were thoughts that were happening mm -hmm. before my hypnotism. But then all of those thoughts were coming from the anxiety mm. or coming from the nervousness. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So it's like, let's go back on the timeline to why you're feeling nervous. Yeah, like all these things are happening. They're going to, you, you, you're anticipating all these things happening and it's making you feel nervous. So let's go back to the nervousness and revisit that. Why? You know? And then mm. I'm like, psh, psh, psh. my subconscious, my unconscious mind is just like spewing things out. And then after the process of that mixed with the hypnotism, I'm not even thinking about oh, I'm going to hit this arm drag or whatever. I just, I'm thinking about having my conscious clear and my mind clear and everything so that I can get the expectation that like, or the, the visualization that I created. Yeah. So have you tried different versions of that or different styles of, of hypnosis? Mm. No, not that I can. I mean, I've done a lot of just like closed eye like emotional intelligence type of like exercises, you know, like where I'm just like my eyes are closed and I have someone helping me visualize internally, you know, like just whether it's dreams or emotional pain or whatever it may be. Yeah. I've had mm -hmm. people just like guided meditation almost. Yeah. But the actual name like hypnotism, I've only had it done by two people. Well, yeah. it as when you're watching fighters, if you're, I think fighters are one of the most complex puzzles for psychologists mm -hmm. because I think it's a, a super rare state. Like the, the rare state that someone gets to where they can be completely calm and see everything in the heat of a, a dangerous encounter with another trained fighter. Yeah. And when you're watching these things play out on TV and you oftentimes see how much anxiety plays a factor or doesn't play a factor, how much someone having the I don't give a fuck attitude for real, it can play, it can be a benefit and it can fuck you up sometimes too. And to see these complex psychological puzzles play out and see fighters struggle and then regroup, have a bad fight and come back better, all that stuff is like, it's, it's really like a giant microscope on the human character, yeah. you know? And like a guy like you who comes back from that Johnny Walker fight and looks sensational against Eric Anders, man. It was like, that was one of those things where you're like, I like what I'm seeing. This guy, he figured some shit out, man. I mean, like that was, that was, that was incredible. It was really fun to watch, man. Yeah. As a guy who really loves Muay Thai, it was fun to watch. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was, and that's that's kind of the goal too going forward is that I want to continue to like put on stuff like that, continue to learn Muay Thai, and then because that fight kind of raised the bar, right? People yeah. are like, oh man, this guy for sure kind of put me back on the map. So now I'm ready to just go back and you know. How many guys use mental coaches now? If you had to guess, a good handful. A good handful. Yeah, a good handful. I think I, I know think Vinny a lot of Shorman. Fighters. Vinny Shorman. He hypnotized me, and he uh, he hypnotizes a lot of fighters. Yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. It was a trip. It was very strange. It's like, oh, this is real. Like, <laughs> hmm. 
It's a weird feeling, right? How long ago was it? It was an old studio, so it had to be at least a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty weird. But he's a, a great mental coach, too, though. He knows like what's creeping around your subconscious, mm. just waiting to pop up and play tricks on you. You know, oh, you sure Vinny you put in enough rounds? Where does he live? Uh, he's a UK guy. Okay. Yeah. I got to get linked up with him. Yeah. I'm all about, I don't care anybody. I'm like, yeah, like whatever you got. Yeah. Vinny Shorman, let's go. Yeah, he's a good dude. I'll connect you guys. Heck yeah. I, I think it's uh, probably one of the least trained aspects of fighting is mm -hmm. the mental aspect of it. You know, you realize how good guys are just by watching them train. You see them spar. You see them do all these things. Oh, damn, this, guy, this guy's fucking good. This guy's got great jujitsu. This guy got great kickboxing. You ever hear about the people that, like, their they're sayings, right? Like, man, mm -hmm. that guy's amazing in the gym, but when he shows yes. up to fight, yes. like, exactly. he just doesn't put on. Yeah. Like, I've been that guy multiple times, mm -hmm. and, like, yeah, a lot of it has to do with mentally. Yeah, that's almost like an unaddressed giant chunk of the puzzle, like a third of the puzzle. Like if it was a pie, a third is keep it together. <laughs> you know, like you, you know when it's ready to go and now, yeah. and it's all happening. Don't freak out. And you never like. Here's kind of something I think about. You never know everybody's situation, right? So the day before the fight, we have weigh-ins, and then Dana comes back and like he gives us his, our speech, right? So everyone there you don't know what life position they're in you know so it's like hey there's a potential we can get a bonus so all those guys are affected emotionally somehow yeah you know what i mean some guys maybe they don't care some guys maybe they do but then like we walk out and then there's a crowd fifteen thousand people sold out look around we got joe rogan sitting here we got <laughs> mick maynard say we got dana white we got everybody sitting around and then like we're still human too so we're thinking like this is kind of like a test you know, it's like mm. we got all the we got the whole board <laughs> right here in front of me ready to take my test. You know, like, yeah, wow. it, it really depends on like it, there's so much that goes into it. Like mentally, you got to be prepared for a lot of things or some guys block it out. But it's just like like anything else. It's you crazy. had to know about halfway into the first round. Some special shit was happening, though. On this fight? Yes. Uh, after. So after the first round. I was very happy. I sat down. My coaches were like, okay, this is good. This is good. You're doing this. And I was like, listen, I, I don't want to know what's good. What should I expect the next round? Like, I was ready to go. I told this straight to George. I'm like, dude, I don't care. What do I need to do next? What should I prepare for? And he's like, prepare for a little bit more pressure. He's probably going to try to shoot for the takedown in this round. And I was like, okay, cool. So that, I was just looking for that and using my tools to kind of, to just prepare for that. But uh, definitely midway through the second round, I was like, okay. Like, I know he's still got a lot of power, all this stuff, but I think that that leg, I should be able to, you know, buy some time and take away a little bit of damage, like, coming at me. For it, sure. I mean, he had to be in agony, and he never stopped coming. Yeah. I mean, he had But to he be. didn't wince at all. Like, <laughs> even on the cage when I was just, like, when he was on the back and I was trying to kick his leg, he just his face, his facial expression never changed. He's a fucking savage, man. It's he's crazy. A, he's a bad man. Respect that guy. Yeah. Man, for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> even yeah. before, like, even before the fight. Now, how before and after. Yeah, for sure. Same. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe even more so, man. Not yeah. everybody can do that. Mm -mm. Not everybody can take that, you know? And to do it the way he did it, with 100% of his character intact, never shirked, never shied away from it, kept moving forward. That's a dangerous person. And he's still getting better. Oh, yeah. Now, that guy's just getting better. Oh, yeah. When you were doing, how much do you think the hypnosis helped you? A really good amount, man. How much like, different did you feel like? In what way? Mm, 
I just, I felt more clear. I'm, I feel like a lot of times I can be just kind of like an anxious guy. I just, I, f- I feel like I feel a lot of just energy that kind of like, I don't know. I go into a room and I'm just like, ah, so having, having the focus on having my intention set on what I wanted to happen was 70%, like I'd, I'd owe 70% of like the hypnotism, all that stuff to just help me to keep my thoughts on track, something mm. to re- fall back onto every single time. If I felt like I was getting distracted or getting nervous or whatever, I would remember, you know, the things that we went over in the hypnotism. And so every time just kind of like that hit that reset button or just a delete button on, on thoughts that I just didn't want to have or thoughts that would make me feel anything other than happy and ready to go now how often do you practice this do you practice this outside of hypnosis is there like some things you concentrate on or meditate Uh, on yeah so i do my best to just it's kind of like the weird thing about me is fighting is something that is just kind of happened by accident but it's caused me to search for so much peace like inner peace because of everything that i go through emotionally being a fighter so going from this, hmm. I know Shab told you about it, but going from this kid who was just like super overweight my whole life, never fit in with anybody. I was always just like this introverted, gothic, weird kid that nobody, you know, nobody ever talked to. Never even wanted to fight. I've always been non-confrontational. But somewhere in the journey of becoming a fighter, I was like, ah, this is cool, but I need to find more peace because this is like, it's bringing up way too much, just like, just way too much my of my anger, kind of mm. like, you know, from everything that I held on to. So uh, practice meditation, a lot of meditation. I read a lot of different, I'll study different religions, whatever, wherever I'm at, um, all just to find peace, man. Like How does a non-confrontational peace. guy wind up being an elite cage fighter? Hmm. <laughs> Stop and think about what you I just know said. What? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's a very strange. I'm still thing trying to, to wrap my mind around it, but I think that um, internally there's just a lot of there's a lot of expression. I, for me, it's a, it is a big expression, man. It's an expression of just my my danger, my ferociousness. This the, the 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 part of myself that I've always held back. You know, it's like. I have to hold back. I'm, I'm a big guy, you know, like I, if I get angry, I'm afraid I can, you know, (laughs) break something, you know, like, you know, it's like, it's crazy. So fighting for me, like when I train after training, I'm super peaceful. Right. After I fight, I feel like I've grown. I feel like this guy's trying to hurt me, all these things. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's just a place where we both agree. Like, Hey, I'll give you my strength versus your strength or whatever, whatever powers that strength is what we meet in the middle. And so, it helps me balance, man. It does. Yeah. Because when I'm not fighting, I'm I'm so relaxed. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Um, and it, I think that's something that could aid a lot of men. I think just at least training. Mm-hmm. Just spe- I think there's something particularly soothing about hitting a heavy bag. There's something particular. Like when you're done, man, you feel so good. When you're done hitting pads, when you're yeah. done sparring. You feel so just peaceful. Yeah. Like you got it all out. You don't have anything <laughs> left in you. Nothing I think a left. lot of men carry a lot of extra bullshit. Yeah, man. A lot of Definitely. extra, extra, uh, for no reason. You got to let it out. You got to let it out. <laughs> you got to let it out. out. Yeah. You know, some guys will build it up in the gym, right? And they're super huge. And it's like, you got to let it out, man. Let it out, You can't man. even swing those arms. What are I you know. doing? <laughs> 
yeah, you see less of that now than yeah. you used to, it seems like. But, yeah, it just – it would be nice if I, – I really think they should teach kids how to fight at a very early age. That would be cool. I, I think it's the opposite – it would have the opposite effect. I think people would fight less. I think if you taught kids how to fight, they would just train and spar, and they would they'd get it all out of their system there, and they'd probably fight a lot less. It's an, it's kind of like in our nature, right? Like Yeah. Everybody, everybody's got it, like a, a curiosity, yeah. like, oh, I wonder what it's like. Yeah, the, so. the closest they have to it is the wrestling team. You can yeah. join the wrestling team, and they, they will teach you a very important part of fighting. But other than that, like, they're not going to teach you how to fight. But wrestling is kind of like, now at least, it's kind of a loophole. Like, yeah. they don't teach boxing in high school, but they'll teach you how to wrestle. And they're pretty crazy, man. Crazy. And wrestling's get rougher, it seems oh, like. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of those high school kids are savages. I, I remember being a high school kid in a high school wrestling room. It was awful. You know, those yeah. kids were trying to kill each other. And they work out know? the hardest, too. Yeah. Huh? Running with plates over their head and all that stuff. The football team's just lifting weights and running practice. Those yeah, guys are always doing ridiculous slaving. shit. Slaving. Everybody's seen that movie Vision Quest, right? You seen no, that? I've never seen <gasps> it. You never saw that? I've never seen it. Dude, it's Matthew Modine. And Matthew Bodine plays this badass wrestler, and he's going up against this dude who's this other badass wrestler. And he comes to visit the guy while the guy's training, and this dude's got a log on his back, and he's walking up stadium <laughs> stairs. And, the, and the, he says, you think you make the weight? Because Matthew Modine's character's trying yeah. to cut weight. He goes, I hope so. He goes, hope so too. And he keeps walking up the stairs like, forget. When did this come out? A long time ago, man, back when Madonna was young. Oh, this yeah, is, this that's is the, the wrestler. So he's walking up the stadium stairs, carrying a fucking log on that his back. That is It's a great movie, man. Every wrestler that I knew when I was in high school, everyone worshipped this movie. What year did this shit come out? It's probably like 85 or something. That's not the cover for it, is it? 85. Bam, I nailed it, son. Is that the cover for it? Yes. Look at that. It doesn't even look like it have anything to do with a wrestler. I definitely would not click that on Netflix thinking that it was yeah. a wrestler movie at all she was hot as the sun too fun times but yeah that was like the quintessential wrestling movie because he just was dedicated and then there was his friend who lied about being a native american <laughs> oh is that what that is i was gonna say yeah, what's that vest he's yeah, got going he just on? wanted to be different stand out but it's a it's a fun movie man it's a fun movie i'll have to get into that for sure yeah not a whole lot of movies about wrestling that's the least glamorous but probably toughest sport for high school kids to get into. Definitely. You know? That's I stayed away from it, man. <laughs> you know, I tried out for I tried out for volleyball in high school. I actually made the team, but my grades were terrible. So I never got to play. But really? I was like heavy set dude and I tried out and made it. I well, think it was just kinda like a joke though. I think the coaches were just messing with me and my friends too. When did you get involved in martial arts? Uh when I was twenty, so two thousand ten. So really quick. Right after high school, I started um, I started traveling. So I used to play in a band. I used to play in many bands and play what guitar. I play guitar. I play drums. I play keyboard. A little bit of everything. Every Christmas, my mom would just know, just get me a new instrument, and I'd lock myself in my room and teach myself how to play. And that's just always how like music was my first love. Instruments wow. were my first love. So you I, taught yourself? Yeah, I was, just put on like headphones and I would just match the sounds and then keep restarting the songs over and over again and then Whoa. if it were like a keyboard song, I'd play it like just on the CD player and you know as it evolved and for some reason I can just I can match tunes with whatever instrument it may be. You've always been able to do that? Since a kid. Wow. Yeah. So No no formal training? Nothing. That's 
crazy. Why? Yeah. I've wow. tried to take I've tried to take guitar lessons before, um, but it didn't work for me. And my mom was just wasting her money. Like I was learning, but it was kind of like school for me. Like I had a teacher. He told me, okay, this chord and this chord, and I was like, ah, like just let me feel it. Like I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta feel it. You know, like I can hear it. I can I can feel it. I'll get it. And so I I stopped going. But how many people do it like like that? I'm not sure. I know there's a lot of people that can just kind of play by ear, but so I'll like I just love instruments. So I'll pick anything up and just start playing it and end up teaching myself how to play drums, bass, guitar, keyboard. I played the stand-up bass in uh in middle school. Um I've got like a little home production like beat studio at home, all that stuff. So after high school I started touring. And uh that's when like I started getting my heaviest. We were eating fast food every single day, three times a day, never drink water, soda only, smoking like a pack and a half of cigarettes a day and just on the road traveling. And then uh, by 19, I got up to 305 pounds, 19 years old. And I remember one night laying down to go to bed and I just felt my heart pumping ridiculously. And I was just like, no way. This is like, I think I'm going to die. And like, I woke up in a panic and weird thing is I got up and I went outside for maybe like 10 minutes and I smoked another cigarette and I was just like this is the problem like I'm coughing up stuff my heart is gonna give out and I'm only 19 years old you know so around that same week is when I discovered MMA with my brother just like watching Ultimate Fighter on TV and so uh, I went on my last tour and uh, I told the guys, like, hey, I'm going to go train MMA. They're like, oh, you're going to be a fighter? Like, you think, you know? And I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to be, but I'm going to go train and get healthy. And they're like, okay, cool. Like, we'll see you in a couple months. You know what I mean? Like, no one really believed that I was going to go and actually train and fight. I told you, I've always been, like, this big, quiet, non-confrontational guy. So, um, yeah, I went and took my first class, Muay Thai. And March 1st, 2010, took my first Muay Thai class. And then... After like a month of doing Muay Thai, I started to see progression. I started to see like my face was slimming down, all this stuff. So it gave me motivation to keep going. And then um, I m- remember going to a MMA event, amateur, and I saw really big heavyweight guys going at it. So I was like, ah, I think I want to do it. I want to give it a try. And uh, so my coach was like, okay, if you lose 100 pounds, I'll like I'll find you a fight. And I was like, 100 pounds? He's like, yeah, I'll find you a fight if you lose 100 pounds. So um I just kept training within 11 months, lost a hundred pounds and then took my first fight. And then it's wow. just been like every fight has been until now, because it's like now I have like more of a drive and a passion for it. But all the way up until then, everything kind of happened by coincidence or just like, I just, I didn't really want to fight, but I had a lot of people like, Oh, you're so good. Like keep doing it. And that was the first time in my life I've ever had people supporting me to like really do something that was big and I was a new guy and I was in shape and I can, you know, girls are noticing me now. And like all these, <laughs> my whole life changed within a year of, of training MMA, like wow. from going to this guy that nobody even paid attention to, to just like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Or, you know, like, Oh, you're so in shape. And I was just like, Oh, this is weird. It's still weird. It's only been nine years, eight years, you Damn, know? That- so everything's still very new to me. I've only, my first day stepping on the mat was like, you know, nine years ago dude that's an amazing story it's crazy that's like a legit success story yeah it's you know is that you what kind of ridiculous ringtone do you have sir what is that sorry (laughs) i thought i turned it off what is that it's just like stock iphone 
Oh, iPhone was it? Yeah. Uh, you, you ventured into the options. Yeah. <laughs> you went down in there. Yes, sir. Um, so, yeah, that's like, that's kind of how everything started. And then with three fight, three or four fights, and then I tried out for the Ultimate Fighter. So I had like three or four fights in one year being a pro. And, uh, and then the Ultimate Fighter trials came out, and I like tried out for that and like made it on. And I was like, oh, shit. So most of my career has been in the UFC. Wow. Yeah. Is that, like, when you hear about fighters, uh, particularly boxers, you hear, like, a really well-managed boxer will get fights to test him, but with, with a guy that you could beat. Mm -hmm. And you learn a different thing from each different fighter as you move up the ladder, and way more of them are undefeated when they finally get a, a shot at yeah. either a title or a top contender. But in MMA, you could be fighting the top-level guys within a couple of years of joining. Yeah. And it could honestly be a couple years prior to that if you're particularly talented where you picked up martial arts like Ngannou perfect example perfect Francis yep. Ngannou is like an incredible example yeah. because he's really only done MMA for five years and he's still right now the scariest guy <laughs> in that cage when exactly he, when he's throwing bombs away it's like you just you just like go uh, uh. when he knocked out Overeem that was like an un that was an unheard of knockout yeah I sparred with him in like in preparation for that fight Oof. and i actually almost got hit with that same punch but yeah we went francis and i and i went three rounds um in the Dude. cage and then i remember uh forrest was there and 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 john the head coach of syndicate and uh they were like okay you guys tone it down because we were going at it and it, i mean like, it was fun like i like to go hard yeah but um how often though how often do i like to go hard yeah <sighs> every now and then yeah every now do you and do then. mostly technical yeah, so like in Thailand right now, it's like everyday technical, one day mm -hmm. sparring or one or two day sparring. Yeah. And when you say sparring, MMA sparring, MMA sparring, yeah. yeah. And then the other days are just like technical grappling, grappling and technical striking, and then you know wrestling, and then uh, yeah, well, spar on Fridays. Now, when they break it up, um, do you have someone who makes your schedule for you, like for the week? Do you have all your training routines, like what what your schedule set up for morning? evening all that. do you have that yeah yeah out so deep um advance so they have like so for instance like the gym has a schedule of all the classes mm -hmm. but um the the head mma coach george would help me out like hey if you're getting ready for a fight show up to these these and these and i'll help you and almost like a curriculum yeah yeah exactly yeah. so that actually helped and the so, cool thing about it is like everything was in line so like whatever i worked with him personally in the morning we'd still be going over in practice and even in the night practice so getting the same things like you know multiple times a day instead of just one time and then you'll get it again later hmm. yeah and when you're you're training over there um you said you like 50 to 60 professionals i've seen so many guys day? on the mat yeah and i'd say on a very very low day 20 like so many people so many people guys wow. and girls man and how of much of your time levels. are you spending striking versus grappling do you specialize in one thing or the other? Well, I can train grappling all day and never get bored. And, like, even if I'm tired, I can still do it. Um, but then, like, grappling, I do it a lot of the times because I, I like it, but it's mandatory and mm -hmm. it's and it's my job. So i like, okay, I'm going to go to grappling class. But um, it seems like it's an even balance, but I love to go to striking more because it's just, like, that's my favorite thing. Um yeah, so one striking class, 
one grappling class, one MMA class, all in one day type of thing. So like two hours a piece and then conditioning and running and all that stuff in the middle. And that's sleep. one whole day. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, the MMA class is more like, so there's a class of MMA, one personal going over like my specific things that I like to work on and want to work on. And then maybe whoever's mimicking the opponent mm-hmm. and then in the morning Muay Thai. So for me, it's always great to start the morning off with Muay Thai, wake up first thing, have coffee, do my five, six K run, train Muay Thai for two hours, eat, go do, um, MMA personal, and then do the MMA class at the end and then go relax after that routine for me can work every day. And it does. Everything's disciplined. Like to do the same thing every day is very common in Thailand. And I think that that's why I was able to put that, um, that performance on and use that many kicks because we throw so many in one day. You know what I mean? What's different about the training there? There's not, there's not really classes like for MMA. There's not much talking in Thai, in Muay Thai. There's no talking, you know, it's like, they tell you what to do a little bit, like punch, kick, knee, teep five times, 10 times, 20 times, you know, like it's a lot of repetition and the same thing in the, in the MMA class, George gives us a lot of, um, time to drill and drill at our own pace and things like that before we go live. And I think that that's what's helped me the most is less talking, more drilling. Show me mm. one or two things. We're mixed martial artists. We're going to create something off of it. It's okay. Mm. And um, just let us drill it. Let us drill it. Walk around, co- you know, correct if you need to. But I think people need to spend more time drilling on the mat. Go live every now and then just so you can feel what you're at. But the only way you're going to get good is by drilling. Yeah, it's just not as fun. Exactly. <laughs> but it's training. I don't think training yeah. should be fun. You know, you tell a dog to sit a hundred times, you got to give him something like, you know, some type of treat. So. The problem is certain parts of training are fun, right? That's, yeah. Which is probably one of the reasons why you like striking. Exactly. It's fun. That part for me, I can just, yeah. 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 yeah it's, um, it, it's, I really believe that psychologists should study fighters, study high level fighters to try to figure out what makes them tick because there's all these different versions. You're a different version. You, the 300-pound guy that decides to lose all this weight, and now you're one of the best fighters in the 205-pound division of the UFC. <laughs> it's crazy, man. I mean, that's a that's a wild story. It'd be really cool, though. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you'll get one. <laughs> Psych- psychology studies on fighters is almost mandatory because there's certain guys that, like, they're just impenetrable. You know? There's certain guys that just, they just, like, Khabib. Mm-hmm. It's impenetrable. Yeah, like you're not. It, the more sure. shit you talk, the more he's gonna <laughs> fuck you up when he gets a hold of you. Like yeah. it's not working, man. It's not getting in there. And then there's certain guys that like sometimes they're hot and sometimes they get rattled. And you know, it's yeah. it's a crazy endeavor what you guys do. It really is. Yeah, it definitely is, man. I think a documentary or something would be really cool too. Yeah, I think a lot of people and the fans need to see kind of a little bit more of the inside, the real stuff, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the, the, the real stuff. Like one of the craziest responses that I've been getting lately is people have hit me up on Instagram and like, I can't believe you're just a normal guy. Like you're posting songs and, and you know, like doing all that. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm human just like everybody else. Like I think a lot of fans kind of forget that. I think we as fighters sometimes forget too. like, Hey, like for a little bit, you can shut it off and be yeah. normal, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, the, the balancing act is, it's a, a strange thing to ignore. You know, the balancing act that a fighter has to have with their, their personality, with training and competing and then 
just being a normal person and the highs and the lows and managing all the stress of an upcoming fight. Yeah. And you're just sort of asked to go it on your own. Like, hey, good luck. Keep your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> In the face of flying fists. And it sucks too because the higher we go up, then it's just like it's kind of hard to go anywhere behind, right? It's like mm -hmm. we're working to get to the top as fighters and we, right. we want to be known and and – but like the more, the more, the higher that we go, the more like obligations, media, people want to talk to you, all this stuff. So your time kind of gets short. I, I was thinking about it last time. Like, damn, like getting to the top is going to kind of suck. You know, like yeah. Media, like, you know, media week or fight week for everybody at the top. They're like press conference, this, that, that. And I'm, yeah. I'm the type of guy where I like to just like relax. So I'll definitely need like a psychologist or something, <laughs> something to help me out man <laughs> more hypnotism for yeah sure. i would i don't know how much they do at the ufc performance institute and in for as far as mindset training mm -hmm. do they do any of that over there mm, not that i've those guys. not that i've seen I mean, that place is insane have you had a chance to train there at all yeah i did i did two fight camps there oh, when wow. i used to live in vegas yeah and it it's amazing it's crazy place. but it was like it was like a little too good for me like I, I started feeling like a little bit spoiled you know what i mean i was like yeah. i gotta go run out in the street like i can't be right. running all these nice I'm, treadmills man i mean to have a place like that where the company creates this super high level training environment that there's not another gym like it on the planet earth on the planet so, and then they the just planet. decide like hey go ahead and work out there for free seriously it's pretty like, dope. oh you want a protein shake okay you want yeah. food like whatever yeah. you need just live here <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, look it's a great way to keep guys on track with their weight cuts too you know, I very mean, informational that place. Like they, they've taught me so much, Yes, you know, just about recovery and what to do afterward. Um, you know, they're, they're investing a lot in just like different programs for us to take home so that we can make sure that, um, like our nervous system is good for the next day. Like they're mm. putting so much stuff into figuring out how to help the fighters. You and know what I was tripped out by, really man? Cool. That uh, that underwater treadmill jamming. Isn't it amazing? Did what? you run on it? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, <laughs> you got to do it. It's sick. I was I was wearing my clothes. I wasn't going to jump in there, but I was like, what? Look at this. This is crazy, this thing. It's sick, man. Did you do it? Yeah, I did it a few times. What is it? Is it good for your cardio? Uh, it's it's low impact on the joints. Right. So like, it's, oh yeah, you'll, you'll get a real good cardio. Really? Uh, real good cardio push on it. Because there's jets blowing at you and the, the, the Treadmill. treadmills on the bottom. So you're trying just to not, you're running against the water. Oh, wow. And so like, depending on how deep you go, your arms, that's all resistance. Oh, sure. So you can go just waist level and it's a little bit easier, but the lower you go, the harder it is. Wow. Real good cardio. Did you do the zero gravity? I didn't do any of the things there. I just oh, looked at them. That's they just what, gave that's me the, the tour. That's Forrest the Griffin one. gave me the, the 411. Yeah. They've done a lot. When's the last time What's you were the there? zero gravity? It's been a while. Maybe a year. What, they, what was the zero gravity? So there's a treadmill and you put these pants on and then you zip into this, like you zip into it. Oh, I did see that. And then you turn it on and yeah. it fills up with this air and then you can run up to like 10% of your body weight. So you, f it's just like, it's another zero <laughs> gravity, like <sighs> treadmill. It's not low impact, right? low impact, yeah. super low. And you can 10 go all the way, of your 10%. Body weight. So you're just like tippy toes. Just like, Oh, that's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really weird. Yeah. They it's got good a idea. lot of cool stuff, man. Well, they're at the forefront of all recovery methods and training methods nutrition. Yeah. And you just, see what they're doing for this on fight week. What are they doing? So this last fight, um, they were like, Hey, do you want any help? Do you have your meals prepped or anything like that? I was like, no, I don't. So I guess for the people that are fighting within U.S. for now, um, 
they'll they'll prep and make everything for for fight week when you're cutting weight and they'll make sure wow like you stay in contact with with the guys clint and them and they'll uh check your weight and then they'll make meals according to you like whatever you need deliver them to your room that's outstanding it was it was the best and then the recovery afterward they give you these drinks all like usada approved all that stuff it's like no problems they help Mm. they help so much with that last weight cut and uh and rehydration how much do you cut this fight i cut 19 19 pounds and that's a lot usually Mm. i usually cut maybe four to seven pounds Wow. The last couple fights, I've ju- I was just coasted. But when I went to Thailand, <laughs> there's a lot of sugar and a lot of stuff that I was eating out there. Is that I, really what it was? Yeah, when I, I was in Bangkok for a long time, and it's just a lot of street food, a lot of fried food and stuff. And I was just there, and I'm like, I'm going to try everything. So once I got to Phuket, they actually have, like, health food stuff, vegan stuff. They have a lot of tourists there, so especially on the street. So the street that Tiger's on, it's all gyms. It's like five or six CrossFit gyms, maybe 10 restaurants, health food restaurants, everything. So I was able to stay on track there. So just I was just back just a few weeks. Yeah, but I still made weight, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of weight to cut though, right? Like yeah. You, you like to cut like about five or six, is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah, no more than eight. Like eight is pushing it for me. So What, what difference do you feel? Uh, the day after I didn't, with their rehydration method, I felt amazing. Usually if we're cutting that much, I'd feel a little bit bloated, a little heavy, mm-hmm. sleepier, all that stuff. But this, when you're talking, did you ever do IV or would you? I did do IV. Yeah. yeah. When I used to fight in the RFA at, yeah. um, at 185, I used to fight at 185. Oh my God. Yeah. That's that hilarious. Was, How much did you cut? Oh, I used to cut from, I'd try to get as close to 200 as possible and then cut. Wow. The 15. You must so, be super skinny at 200, oh, too. Terrible. Oh, oh terrible. <laughs> I'm struggling to make 205. Not, not, not struggling, but like it hurts to make 205 now, so I couldn't even imagine. Like, oh, It sucked. So, well, What would you think about if they abandoned weight cutting? Mm. They just opened up more weight classes and abandoned weight cutting. Ooh. I mean, I wouldn't mind it. I would. I would like to see that. Don't you think it would be better for the fighters? I think it would be better for the fighters, and we'd see some really cool matchups. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's some guys that cut a lot of weight, and there's some matchups that would be really cool at at different weights too. I think it's one of those dumb things that's existed in the past, and we never corrected. Yeah. I I think we should stop it. It's not helping anybody. To lose weight for a fight so that you could be fit and in great shape, yeah, okay, sure. But how do you go about that? But, I mean, losing weight like losing weight in training not like massive dehydration for weight cut day and then rehydration the next day for fight day i think it's it's a crazy strain that guys are doing to their kidneys and their bodies i mean many fighters have told me that they're they don't feel like they can take a body shot as well when they cut a lot of weight yeah sometimes the your head my head i remember in the johnny walker fight i had cut excuse me it could have been from the weight cut but that morning like if I even tapped on my jaw, I just felt like my head was just like off, like rattly, you know? Really? Like, yeah. I felt very sensitive. You and think that's from the weight cut? The same night I get knocked out. I don't know what it was from, but I remember feeling that morning when I woke up because mm. usually I like, I'll shake everything off. I'll like, you know, like punch myself in the jaw, all that stuff just to get ready yeah. for the fight. And I remember that that morning when I was like tapping myself on the jaw, my head just didn't feel right. Dude. Yeah. That's not a good feeling. No, but I got it checked after. I didn't have any like concussion or anything. So. Did you have some particularly hard sparring session or something close to that? 
Uh, I don't think close to it. During that camp, uh, like I said, I didn't feel it all the way until I, – I didn't have it. The only, the only time I ever felt it was, like, after the weight cut, so it could have been from that. Right. Yeah. And I think that morning, I actually ended up cutting the last little bit of my weight the morning of weigh-ins too, which is not usually like me. I usually cut it the night before. So you said you like to start your day off with a run. Um, are you doing that every day? Yeah, definitely. Really? So that's one thing that I learned too is just training every day. Not learn, but it just feels different. Now I, I, I have to go and train every day. When I was in Vegas, like, oh, I got to drive 30 minutes. You know, all these things I had a lot of excuses to make up and – now with the convenience of how training is now, I don't even make up excuses. I'm like, if I'm tired, I still, it's two minute walk, get your ass to the gym, you know? Right. And so, yeah, every, every single day training and then weekends off for sure. So you're running every single day, then you're training every single day. Before Muay Thai, it's mandatory you, you run. The, that's, like the that's trainers how won't even train. let you train unless really? you run first. You show up, you run. The, the, the first day I showed up uh, at, at Tiger's Muay Thai class, I didn't even have tennis shoes. I just showed up with my flip-flops because I was staying right across the street. And I showed up. I started wrapping my hands. And the trainer, he's like, are you going to train? And I was like, yeah, I think so. He's like, you think so? We'll go run. And I was like, I don't have shoes. I only have my flip-flops. And he's like, just pointed, like, so? Go run. And I had to run, like, I think it was like eight kilometers in, in flip-flops before Jesus. I could even train. Yeah. That's like four miles, yeah. right? Somewhere around there? Five and a half? Yeah, it's like four, like four miles, something like that. We just had to run, 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 run. Yeah. I asked the girls, like, how long do we run for? She's like, usually like five to six kilometers or something like that. Yeah. It was like... 5K is like three and a half miles. Yeah, yeah. Five, say that. I'd say like just cutting it short, 5K. Wow. And then in flip-flops. And That's I was ruthless. like, okay, cool. Yeah, I never I never forgot my shoes again. I would always show How up. bad that fuck your feet up? It wasn't too bad, actually. No? because no, I wasn't wearing shoes a lot anyway. Oh. Just Thailand. Sometimes you got to take off your shoes before you enter the store. So, so they're they're hard assed in their discipline with the wanting they're you to run. They're just serious first. about it. Very serious. Yeah, about they're it. just serious about it. They like show respect. You know. And like, when you're running, are you running with a group of guys or everybody? Just, guys, girls, whoever shows up to class. But is it uh, class. is like okay? So that when they're running, are they running like uh, organized, like in, in a group, or are they just is everybody so, running a few miles before class every so time? The first, the first. Muay Thai gym that I trained at the straight Muay Thai gym in Bangkok they run as a unit every day 5 a.m. Wow as a team they live at the gym they eat at the gym they sleep at the gym they are like they they don't have homes their home is the gym and yeah. their job is just fight and eat sleep train fight that's it it's crazy when they, they even take on the name of the gym yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and that's a whole different life like that is what made me respect and learn and love muay thai so much is how these guys trained and just they lived together everything it was amazing so they run as a group but the other like the other place we all start off but if you, if someone's lapping you and they just want to run fast like it's it's totally fine but before the class everybody has to go yeah wow that's a smart way to do it man i mean if you could really convince them to be conditioned all the time and there's no, like you have no option. You can't be out of condition if you're going to run five miles every day. No, five miles and then hitting, kicking, hitting and kicking pads for five to 10 rounds a day, clinching 45 minutes a day, like clinching at, after every session, it's like you run knee bag, sit-ups, all that stuff. Second, second session is, um, kick the bag three to five rounds until a trainer picks you up like for me i had to wait for <clears throat> a trainer to actually even like 
want to hold pads for me. If you just show up, you'll just be hitting the bag until the trainer was like, hey, okay, I'll hold for you. Mm. And then once you actually find a trainer that wants to work with you, then you kind of whatever their schedule is for you, they, they'll create it. They'll, you'll hold, they'll hold pads. You'll kick the bag. You'll do push-ups. You'll do sit-ups and then clinch 30 to 45 minutes after. And it's the same thing every single day. Wow. And it, do you ever worry that this might be something that would be monotonous because you're doing the same way every day? Or do you think we just concentrate on excellence? No, because it's also uh, like going to the fights and there's so many different styles. So like people are doing the same thing every day, the repetition, but the styles are completely different. You know, like nobody fights like Sanchai, right? right? He does the same thing everybody else does, but he has his own style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or some guys will do the same thing, but they don't even like to kick or knee. They just like to throw elbows. Yeah. I know plenty of guys like that where they just like, you know that when he goes, he's just throwing elbows all five rounds. Yeah. This guy's just going to throw knees. So it's just like, which tools do you use the best? Mm -hmm. Like, are you a near? Are you a kicker? Are you an elbow guy? Are you a left kick? Are you a low kicker? It's kind of like... Which, which strikes are your, are your thing? And then you go watch the chaos and these guys are getting split open every night Fucking on the stretchers. They take them stretchers on the ring, man. It's amazing. Wow. It's like not to see someone get hurt, but like just the, the fact that like, these guys are all out brawling every night, every single night, there's a fight at the stadium <sighs> and Thursday nights are the nights that like the, like the higher guys go and they're packed with people, thousands of people like the one I went to, there was a few thousand people there for the stadium. It looked packed, and everyone's betting like, oh, no. and then when the kicks land, they're like, oh, hey. oh, it's, the energy is crazy. Wow, it's, they never showed up, man. I'm getting hyped thinking about it. Get me back <laughs> to Thailand right now. How did Sanchai figure out how to do Muay Thai different than anybody? Ah, oh, man, he's so interesting with his quick switches of the feet and. Like, even the way he throws kicks, he's just got, like, a little different flavor just, to everything he does. I don't does. think he can help it. You know what I mean? There's just something about <laughs> the guy's character. It's just, like, his his fighting is him. Right. You know, like, he's just – he's kind of outgoing, like, just a weird, funky guy, and it makes sense that he fights like that. You know what I mean? It's not like he's just, like, serious, like, stern yeah. guy, but then goes out there and fights all crazy. Like, he seems – his fighting is definitely an expression of himself. He's so good, man. Yeah. He's so good. I, I like watching him just warm up. Sneakers on, outside, sweating, throwing elbows and knees and Everything. shit. He's a bad motherfucker, man. And he's, you know, he's not young. No. I think he's in his 40s. Is he? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know Can we look how, uh, how old Sanchez is? 38. 38. Oh. He's getting there. He's getting there. But meanwhile, he's in his prime. Still fucking fighting. people up all the time. Multiple times a month. Multiple times a month. <laughs> Have fight. Good luck. You know, shows <laughs> fists and like dynamite. <laughs> His Instagram was awesome, man. And he's got these great videos of him warming up and you watch him, him, his movement, man. It's like, wow, that guy's, he's something special. It takes a lot of fucking energy to move around the way he does too. Yeah. I'm sure he still shows up to the gym every single day too. I'm sure. And he's like holding pads for foreigners and all that stuff. I stopped by Yakao gym. He wasn't there, but I hear like, there he he's is. always there. Look at that it's guy. The motherfucking man right there. He just posted a video the other day wearing this crazy wig. Go to Did see if you can find a video of him. There it is right there. <laughs> Look at this guy. Uh, <laughs> Even how he throws his kick. It's different, It's right? so different. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really, like, turn all of his upper body like a lot of the ones I've seen. 
Right, he's he's a volume guy, but he knocks guys out with one shot too. Look at that catch. He yeah. didn't even like it just instinctual, you know, like he's he didn't even so think good. about it. Didn't even flinch. He's so good. Checked. Up. Swipe. Oh. It's interesting when you think of how many different people are doing it and that this one guy stands out. <clears throat> I love outliers, man. So that's one thing that I learned compared to like watching Muay Thai in the Ooh. States and then going there, the amount of kicks and knees that they're throwing. Mm. I'm looking at fighting like, okay, like when's the next punch going to happen? These guys throwing kick after kick after kick for five rounds. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely not kicking enough. So I got to start kicking. Mm. So uh, they like being in Thailand definitely helped me to learn the importance of kicking. So we were talking about the shoot box style, Rafael Cordero, who is obviously, absolutely one of the best yeah. Muay Thai striking coaches on the planet. It's funny that he's such a nice guy yeah. and he trained the most murderous crew <laughs> right? of angry Brazilians. Yeah, Cordero could not be nicer. Ugh. They had Anderson Silva. They had Vanderlei. And when Vanderlei Shogun... Look, like, Look at that photo with Rafael oh Cordero. Oh my God, Rafael Shogun. Yeah. Dude, that's a that's a fucking team of another assassins. one. It's got like Pele, everybody. Yes, in that's Anderson. right. Pele too. They were some. The guy hard who taught me Muay Thai, men. Michael Costa. He was he was from that same that same group. Same I really era, to this day do not understand why Muay Thai is not more popular. I've never understood it. It's so exciting to watch. Yes, I was it like, is. if we had a league in America that people understood who the fighters were, got to know them and root for them, and see, you know, like you see with boxing with Terence Crawford. You know, he's like he's at this he's prime right now. Yeah, you know, he's on top of the world. I want to see a guy like that in Muay Thai, and I think it would be the same thing. I think Americans would jump on board if they understood how exciting it is. Yeah, you see a lot of you see a good handful of foreigners and Americans in Thailand to go watch right. you know, Muay Thai. And I thought the same thing. Like, man, they got to get this. They got to get okay, this out Let's here. figure it out. <laughs> you, you and me, let's figure it out. What let's are they missing? What's missing? Dana White has a good point. He thinks that culturally we won't accept kickboxing after PKA karate from like the 1980s. Like, That's remember, before my time. It was <laughs> I was born 90. It was guys would throw like these little kicks. So they had to throw like eight kicks around, you know, uh, and then they would have like a sloppy boxing match. Some of the time there were some really good guys that fought in there too. Like real high level guys like Benny Jet or fought in PKA and you know, a, a lot, a lot of like really, really good strikers, but it was, there was nothing compelling about it. Yeah. Just wasn't it wasn't something that you wanted to watch all the time. But if you could watch some of the best Muay Thai fights that you've ever seen and you could watch them on television, just like show people on television some crazy wars that you and I have seen from the past. Like how could you not like that? Ugh. If you like striking, how could you not like guys who are experts in bone smashing? Dude, that's why I have a lot of love too for like I'm a huge one championship fan. Me too. I'm a huge one championship fan. Yeah. I like what he's doing. I like how he's mixing all three of them together, too. It's amazing. Because, like, you can literally go to a fight mm -hmm. and see a good MMA match. Yep. Like, if you, if you like grappling and, and striking, obviously. And you can see legit Muay Thai fighters. Like, yeah. my friends from the stadium are fighting in Bangkok on the 10th. So I'm, like, really, like, I can't wait because I really want to get there by the 10th to go see this one championship event in Bangkok. Wow. But the guy, one of my friends, like, pet them. He's a, he's a, a stadium like champion then he's fighting one championship again and it's like it's it's just sick to see man 
yeah, I don't think people understand how big it is in Asia either. There's a lot of American fans that are just really, uh, they're missing it. Yeah. It's like Asia's version of the UFC. It's gigantic, Huge. if not bigger. Yeah. Yeah, the numbers are insane. And they got some fucking killers over there. <laughs> yes, they, they got do. some legit killers. Yeah. Yeah, that's like that guy, Nasty Ukin, who just knocked out uh, Eddie Alvarez. Yep. That he trained a tiger. Dude, that guy's <laughs> legit. Yeah. I remember. Did you train with him at all? No, I would like alongside him. I didn't personally train with him, but I remember one day we were doing, uh, we were training, and he was the last one on the mat. And uh, our wrestling coach Frank was like, he's like, he said something like, ten more sprawls and like you beat Eddie Alvarez or something. And the guy's just grinding, like he's just mm. digging himself into the mat. He, it was it was cool to watch him prepare for that fight. But <laughs> there's there's guys like that. That's yep. like, yeah, he trains there all the time. And he beat Eddie Alvarez. Like I think that's a big deal. I think it's a big factor over there too that they don't cut weight. I think that's a yeah. big factor. If you're used to being the bigger fighter all the time, yeah. and then all of a sudden now you're not. Now no one's cutting any weight. I mean, they they have some sort of a system. Ben Askren was explaining it to me. I, I don't really remember how it works, but there's some sort of a system where they stop you from weight cutting. Yeah, like they check your hydration. They check levels. your hydration levels. Yep, you got to be. It's the right way to amount. do it. Yeah. He's the right. He's correct. He's smart. It's the right way to do it. We should have done it a long time ago in the UFC. Man, I really think that. All the weight cut issues, all that stuff, like ruining cards, all that it, it would all be eliminated, right? Yes. Ruining cards and even more importantly, I think causing fighters to fight at less than their full potential. Yeah. How many fighters got hit when they shouldn't have gotten hit because they if they were recovered completely, if they didn't have to uh not recovered completely, but if they, they didn't have to recover from a weight cut. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's shots you ate because that you wouldn't have eaten. Yeah. Right? Especially if you're some guy who's cutting a brutal amount of weight. It's entirely possible that you could get hit with something you wouldn't if you didn't have to cut weight. It would and be we get fight more often. Yeah. Right? We can fight more often. And yeah. the training would be a lot better too because we wouldn't like a lot of fighters spend the last three weeks, four weeks of their fight or their camp just trying, trying to, lose, to weight. lose weight it's it's the and a that's terrible a whole way to approach month it. of learning yeah. and building strength and all that stuff that you could do so i don't know i think it'd be awesome the only argument for it is that the guys are tough enough to do it and cut a shitload of weight have this massive size advantage and sometimes it allows them to win and they think they should be able to do it because they're tough enough to cut all that weight yeah i get it I mean, it does. It's hard to do. You have to yeah. be a strong person, but I just don't think it's good for anybody. I don't think it's good for the athletes. I don't think it's good for the sport. I don't think it's good for anybody. It's just an old way. It's just an old thing that people are doing so they don't have to fight the bigger people. You know, it's crazy because I have to answer that question a lot for people who don't. Like some of my friends are just like, oh, like they'll hit me up like, hey, I'm like, I can't talk this week. Like I got to cut weight. Like it's wow. not a good time. I can't and talk. Like, how do you? How do you lose? 20 pounds in a day and why do you do that you know i'm just like right i don't know how to explain it it's just because that's what we do you know there's not really it's just what i have to do when you see certain fighters get on the scale though like conor mcgregor when he made 145 oh, it's crazy looked, looked like uh like a zombie man a zombie. like a walking dead character yeah i was like holy shit man he looks like the ice king yeah What's that? No, the Winter King. Is it what do you call him? The 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 Night King. The Night King. Yeah, <laughs> the Night King. He the did look king. like the Night King. But I did you see him when king. he fought at uh, when he fought Nate? Uh, Nate. Yeah, one seventy looked great. He looked great, right? He looked like, great. Uh, yeah. There's a difference. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's 
Wow. Yeah, look at the difference. That's insane. The Night King. Oh my look, he looks God. happy right there. He's just like, yeah, I just, yeah. I just had a burger. I know. Want to sleep good and then whoop some ass. The other one, he's like, yeah, dude, he's on death's door right there. They're really, only three months apart. Four months apart. No December way. December 2015 and March 2016. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know what's crazy too? <laughs> Sometimes like so weight cutting messes up the mind too because you see yourself so shredded, right? At one point in your life, and then like I can get maybe like five pounds. I'm like, ah man, I'm out of shape. Like I got to get back in shape. Yeah, you get accustomed to it. Yeah. You, you you'll never allow yourself to get back to 300 pounds again. Oh, never. Never. No, no. no there's no. no, no. no. <laughs> I can't go down that road. What a Joe. crazy transition, though, to go in a 10-year span from being a, a guy who's, like, really overweight and worried you're going to die to being an elite UFC fighter. Yeah. Like, That's life a- life for me is 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 happening now. Like, this is kind of the beginning of everything for me, you know? It's, it's really cool. It's really cool. And I'm glad that I found mixed martial arts just because it just – it gives me – it's a journey, man. Yeah. It's not just UFC. It's just like finding MMA and, and diving into different cultures and lifestyles and understandings and sometimes philosophies, all this stuff just to understand, just to put it all together, just to have it all make sense at the end of the day. Like it's it's been a beautiful thing, man. I've been able to meet a lot of people, go a lot of places. Like I'm very thankful and I'm very just like like I'm okay with life, you know. It's, it's very awesome. good yeah. to hear, man. That's yeah. a cool thing to hear. I love hearing that. Yeah. You're you're cool with life. Yeah. yeah, you're um you're on a great path, man. It's uh it's also what's inspiring about it for other people is you, your story of being at a place where you weren't like that before, and your story of being overweight and smoking cigarettes and feeling Depressed. like shit. And then Ugh. now you're like for so many people out there that gives people hope. Yeah. That gives them a thought like maybe if I just figure this out, I actually can't. Maybe life doesn't suck. Maybe it just sucks the way I'm living. Maybe if I could just figure out this path in a positive direction, I can change everything. I can I could be a happy I could be like you right now. What was the exact quote? I'm happy you're cool, with life. You're happy with life. <laughs> I'm happy with life. Yeah, cool you're, with life, ha- yeah. you're cool with life. You're um, happy with life. That is a great quote. Most people don't get to that spot. And you know? the, the crazy thing is, too, I didn't have this dream to be in the UFC. I made a choice to just go get healthy. You get yeah, me? It was like a short, just a short step in the right direction. And I just What propelled you to take the first fight if you were just trying to get healthy? Uh, a lot of encouragement and the first time really hearing people, like, being good at something that, like, I was like surrounded by fighters and guys who believed in me and like who cared and like wanted to see me get better and tougher and I was getting my ass kicked every day and that was something that I wasn't used to just being in that environment I had at the time learning I had a very strong team like I I started at Vanderlei school when he was still fighting so a lot of the guys that was like shoot the box style it's like everyone's getting knocked out every training somebody gets knocked out really like very hard and that was that was new for me to get in things like that. And he I was had even very, doing that in Vegas. Oh yeah, man. Whew. I remember helping him get ready for the either it was like Brian Sander, Chris Lieben, and throwing full on elbows in the cage, no pad. Like we're going at it. Like Whoa. my jaw was dislocated, everything. But it was just like what we learned was to just always fight. In Brazilian, they pojada <laughs> every day. Wow. Every day, pojada. <laughs> <laughs> pojada. 
What yeah. do you think about that? Um, it definitely made me tough in the beginning. Now I I realize that like I've only been doing this a short time and I already feel like aches and pains and stuff and I don't want it to be like that when I'm older. So I'm a lot more smart about my training. And uh, do you think it was a critical aspect of your success, though? I needed that. Gone through the fire like that. I needed that because you were this different guy. I needed to know what I was made of. Right. Being being a guy who's overweight, insecure, all these things, never going on hikes. Or my dad passed away when I was younger, like very young, and so I never had my dad to encourage me to go throw a ball or anything, play sports, or be a man, be a boy, be a you know, just be. I was always like kind of sheltered by my mom and she was more like protective like ah, i don't go do that and then she finally learned to just like set me free but i needed to know what i was made of man mm-hmm. i needed to know what i was made of in in the realm of of men fighting whatever it took blood <laughs> tears mm-hmm. sweat had the same thing that they say like i i didn't know what that was like i never got a taste of it and so going through it in a real way of like actually getting my ass beat and having to find my way out of it and can't run from it and still like it's people that cared about me too it was like it was just a, a great thing to have and it now I, I enjoy it i enjoy a really good hard fight <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> something about it that's well you're you you're enjoying your progress too your, your change of who you are as a person mm-hmm. you're strengthening how far into your training was were you like a hundred percent all in committed like that uh, I think it was after my loss to Tyson Pedro, which was my second fight in the UFC. Um, before everything was still kind of very fun in games, and I was like, "Oh, I get to travel, go to Australia, fight in Australia." So it was a big shock to be in the UFC, especially not even expecting to be there in within just a few years. So uh, after losing that fight, is when I met my friend and at the time my strength and conditioning coach Lorenzo and he had been through um like pararescue school and things like that so he helped me to just develop this mentality of like how far will your mind take you how big is your will and when training with him and doing kind of like pararescue survival training for conditioning that that was uh that was a point where I started to like say like, okay, I'm going to take this full on. I know I can fight hard, but now I know how far my will can go in the face of the elements and everything. So like putting those two together, going after it. And then the the fight I took after that was Daniel Jolly. And then I, I ended that in the first round with a knee. And then I fought Paul Craig in Scotland. And I had the same mentality. Like I'm going forward. I'm getting better. I'm going to sh- grow stronger, better, harder, like everything. And uh, then the the fight to the Polish guy, uh, Michael Alexejuk. Have you seen him lately? No. He's been he's been uh, he just beat like John Vellante, and I forgot. His oh, last that's fight. right. Yeah, yeah, okay. with a body shot. I lost it, or I lost to him, but then it got turned to a no contest. So um, after that was a Gokan Saki fight. So it's been. I'd say How did he get turned into a no contest? Did he test positive? Yeah, I tested positive. But I, he, he was also um, uh, a last-minute uh, last minute fight. I always fuck his name up. Michael Oleksijuk. 
Yeah, it's yeah. a rough one. At the weigh-ins, I always butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible at some of those fucking names. Oh, I like Sage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so when... It's been like three or four years, man. And how many fights you have professionally? Uh, Dang, what's my record? Eight and three? Eight, three, and one? That's funny that you don't, you don't really know your record. I, hmm. I don't remember. Eight, three, and one. I think it's eight, three, and one. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing that you've been fighting for a relatively short period of time and have uh, achieved some pretty fucking spectacular results, man. Do you have anybody in your past that was into martial arts? Do you, uh, is it in the family? You have any? Uh, my brothers, my brothers were both like just athletes in school and they were like, they were always getting in like fights and stuff at school. Like I said, I was non-confrontational. So that was like, they were the biggest fighters to me growing up. Are they but, stunned that you're a fighter now? No. Um, my other brother is actually a fighter too. He fought for like the world series, uh, world series of fighting 125 belt and, and the contender series, things like that. He's still fighting, still training. And then my oldest brother, he uh, he doesn't fight. He used to play, like, college football and stuff. But, yeah, so I got one brother. I'm so sorry. it's in the family a little bit at least. A little bit. What yeah. do you think of that, that, that World Series of Fighting, that which became the professional fighting PFL. league? Yeah, and yeah. they're giving away a million dollars to everybody who wins whatever their respected weight class is, right? Yeah, and then you fight two times one night. Yeah. Yeah. What it do sounds kind of that? cool, but it, I don't know. Two times in one night, I don't like. Two times in one night sucks, but... I don't know if they get paid to show up and then, or it's like you just fight and then hopefully you get that mill. I don't want to see a guy who goes through a three round war fight a guy who knocked a guy out in 10 seconds. Yeah. Cause that can happen. It does happen. It Easily. just seems, it seems so unfair. Did you see, uh, I thought Vinny Magalesh was going to take it that last I one. I did too. He, I remember he, seeing it live. He's really coming to his own. His striking is caught up with a lot of his grappling. Oh yeah. And he's fantastic that guy's off of his back. On the ground, Very right? dangerous. I've right. never seen a guy that big, that flexible. He can do everything when it comes to jujitsu. Do you ever see when he flying armbarred Paytapano? Nope. It's crazy. Like who the fuck does that? Nope. I was at that match. The uh, the Metamorris. I think it was. Uh, when, was it Metamorris when he when he grappled Keenan? Was that Metamorris? Like a few years back, maybe mm. like four or five years. Yeah. It, it could have been Metamorris or EBI. I forget but it was all cool. the Metamorris matchups. They had some good ones, but I forget all the matchups. Yeah. Those are good events, huh? Yes. Yeah. No more, huh? I wish there was more of those, man. I mean, I'm happy Eddie Bravo's sort of taking over that space with yeah. the EBI and uh, Combat Jiu-Jitsu now. Have you seen with that? With the slaps, right? Yeah, what do you think of that? <laughs> it's so sick, man. <laughs> it's so sick. It's a great idea, right? <laughs> it's nice. It's a great idea. Sometimes, like, you might be holding on, but that slap, mm -hmm. that, that might cause a guy to, yeah. to let go of something. Changes there. the game. There's yeah. things that aren't available anymore. You can't just allow yourself. It's just too hard. You could, somebody, like, uh, somebody stop somebody. Wagner Rocha stopped somebody, got on top, mounted him, and just, just blasted him with palms to the head. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty rough, man. It's like when you, it's almost like MMA. Look at that, look at that. I mean, you can do ground and pound. And we learned from Boss Rutten way back in the Pancras days. Do you remember those days? Yeah. Boss Rutten figured out how to pull his uh. hand back way further than other people. And Boss Rutten would smash guys with palm strikes. He would throw them like uppercuts and hooks. Like, he wasn't just, like, yeah, slapping you. <laughs> yeah. This is a really high-level jiu-jitsu, too, with smacks. Look at Oh, my. Ugh. Yeah. And you know that guy's not used to getting slapped, No, man. not by a guy with a nasty guard like Wagner Rocha. Oh, yeah, he getting, wants to tap right there. Oh, my up. goodness. Yeah. Can you tap from the slap? Yeah, you can tap. Oh. Yeah, he's getting beat up. The referee's just going to stop it. 
Mike Beltran seen enough. <laughs> See, once he starts dropping those palms down, poha, yeah, poha, <laughs> yeah, it's Look at a bat forehead. Bat. It's a reality check. Bat. You know, it's a reality check about how dangerous this position is. You can't really just sit and let a guy mount you. Oh, you have sucks. to do something desperate to get out of that. But in jujitsu, if the guy's just mounting you, you can kind of chill out. Yeah, you're chilling out, yeah. figuring out how to yeah. escape a leg or something Not like that. Not that shit. Yeah. Combat jujitsu, you got to get the fuck out of there. That's a terrible place to be. Yeah, same thing with like MMA, right? Being mounted sucks, especially when you're yeah. tired. Well, the difference between MMA grappling and regular grappling, too, used to always be with the, one of the big ones, at least I should say, was leg locks. They thought you really couldn't get away with leg locks in, as much in MMA because as you're going for the legs, you have two arms committed to the legs. Someone's just going to punch you in the face, and you don't have defense for it. Uh -huh. But now you're seeing when guys like Imanari burst on the scene and started ripping guys' knees apart, and you see yep. how effective that is. And then Paul Harris. Are you a leg locker? People at, no, no. You don't like leg locks? I'm scared of it. It's, they're scary, huh? Uh, yeah, I've had, so two, I've had three knee operations and two reconstructions. Ah. Uh. But yeah. are you like? Do you like to watch? Oh yeah, yeah. I like yeah, the, I John Donaher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, he's so interesting. Gordon oh, Ryan, God. and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I remember just like kind of looking into a little Eddie bit. Eddie Cummings. Like, yeah, those guys are savages. Yeah. Gary Tonin. They, they're fucking people's legs up, and you know, and then Craig Jones and all these other guys that so are coming world. from all over the world that are leg lock specialists now. They all have these complex leg lock systems now. Yeah, it's, it's a totally a different world. thing. It scares the shit. You fuck up. You go. <laughs> Zig when he should have zagged. Like when Ryan Hall fought BJ Penn. Yeah, right. And he uh. caught him in that. I, I was like, no, no, not that way. Ah. <laughs> yeah, he just tried to get out. He tried to get out, and Ryan Hall just locked it up. Oh, I just imagine the feeling right now. I always Lamp tap early. Oh. Well, yeah. it's once that stuff gets chewed up inside there, that's the problem. I mean, some people could just take it, but once you start ripping meniscus apart and cartilage apart, once that stuff starts happening, ligaments start getting stretched out and rip a little bit, and, and they're always going to be wiggly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even Gordon Wright just ripped his fucking leg apart. Uh, did he really? He just, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just had surgery. Um, I think he did it in an actual grappling match, though. I think his foot, his leg moved weird, and it just it popped his his knee apart. But the guy had a hold on it? I don't think so. No? No, I think it was in a scramble. I think oh, okay. it came apart in a scramble. Um, but there's a, a lot of those leg lock experts right now that scare the shit out. And everything came from Dean Lister, which is crazy. Dean okay. Lister? Do you know the story? No. John Donahue was talking to Dean Lister. And uh, Dean Lister was talking about leg locks. And John Donahue said something, he inquired about why you do leg locks. And he goes, why would you ignore 50% of the body? And John Donahue being that fucking crazy wizard that he is, <laughs> is like, why would you? Why would you? It's all these memes. There's a fucking hilarious meme of John Donahue in bed next to a woman, and it says, why would you ignore 40%, 50% of the body? Oh, man. Yeah. And then other guys. Yeah. Well, Donahue is a guy who understands things. Like, he, he sees them on a very complex level like he understands all the various possible exchanges and what's the best way to mitigate like stop the defense push the offense control the situation what is what is the ultimate control position i have to get to do i have to get on the inside do i grab it this way do i grab it and then they once they started really experimenting and putting it together and putting it into a system and you see how these guys who have only been doing jujitsu for a few years like uh nikki ryan and yep. gordon ryan they start tapping all these like really legit guys they're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, those what systems are, they doing are crazy. Over there? He's got Kimura system, yeah. headlock system, everything. Huh? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that helps a lot yes. just when it comes to training, learning things in systems. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think 
10th planet has like their own sure. type of system, right? Oh, for sure. And yeah. it helps. It, it helps. Do, it you go to another helps. state, it's like, it's the same, yeah. same system, right? Yeah. All systems help, man. Yeah. You know I mean? And then fighters devise their own system really often, you know, have their own entries and yeah. their own ways of defending things. But the leg lock game is so unexpected because I always thought they were a good technique if you can get it, but it's not that high percentage in MMA. That was kind of how I felt. You didn't see too many of them. I don't know why. I think it was, we didn't, we had a few guys that were really good in the early days, like Oleg Taktarov and, you know, some other guys were really good, but we didn't have the level that you have, well, like a Paul Harris. Yeah. Diving on things, transitioning from one thing to the next, and then locking you up in a position where you better tap quick, because if you don't, you're going to be screaming. <laughs> Do you think a lot of the times it's those guys, like the other guy's fault, or does he really just hold too long? He definitely holds too long. Yeah. He has. There's one fight from Brazil where it's crazy. He's just not letting go. He's just holding on to something. I forget what it was, but he was not letting go. And they were trying to separate him, and he was still hanging on to it. Ugh. I think he came from a really, really bad childhood. Okay. And he's talked about it in depth, about growing up on a farm and being forced to eat pig slop, pig slop when he was a little boy. No way. That cut that he has on his chest, that big scar, he yeah. had sealed that up with glue. Yeah, like c crazy shit. Man. Yeah. <clears throat> he's I actually, I've met him before a few times, like through... Uh, yeah, through some friends, and he seems like a cool guy. Yeah, like, he does. You know, genuine. I just think when he's, he's a killer. in competition, man, he yeah, he just doesn't want to let it go. Yeah. He wants, and they make him let it go, and he tried, even though he knew that they were going to get mad at him if he didn't let go, still didn't quite let go. Yeah. And they're like, get the fuck out of here. They kicked him out of the UFC, the first guy ever to get kicked out of the UFC for holding on to submissions. Oh, he got kicked out? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you know who he, who he held it against? I don't know, but I'm pretty. I want. I want to make sure that that's true. I think it is. That Husamar Paul Harris was the first guy to ever get kicked out of the UFC for, and I think the last one they got kicked out for was like any normal person wouldn't even gotten in trouble for that one. Yeah, it was like normal. It was like maybe a little bit too long, but it was on that borderline edge. But because it was him, people were like enough. You know, he's. Is that what it was? It wasn't in the UFC, but it was. Uh controversial submission victory over jake shields at the world series of fighting ah uh, yeah jake shields i think yeah but i think he did that too but that was a kimura yeah that's right but i think before that he got kicked out of the ufc released in yeah. 2013 oh mike pierce had a yes referee intervened referee intervened that's right Heel hook, there you go. yep so that's what it was yeah okay that's what it was he was released after holding on to a heel hook of Mike Pierce in 2013. Yeah. But look, man, that guy was – he was particularly scary when he fought because he was so strong and his body was so well designed for heel hooks. Oh, right. He just could grab a hold of you and rip your shit apart, man. Look at that. Look at the size of him. Oh, my God. Bro. Look at this. Ah. Now, look what he does here. See, he grabs oh, a hold yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 Mike yeah, yeah. Pierce it's is already done. He's tapping, he's tapping, he's tapping, he's tapping. He's still holding, he's still holding. Uh, but that's all in slow motion. But it looked to me like he was still ripping the knee apart. Yeah, even man. though he knew that the guy had tapped. Yeah, yeah. He had it. He knew he had it. He's just punishing that guy. You know, he makes it scarier for other people, and it's, he's probably used to doing it. You know, he, he had this psychological block. They all say that he's like a really, really nice guy. Yeah. You just become that guy that nobody wants to fight. Fucking and you can't animal, get make, man. make no money. But I think in the Jake Shields fight, there was other shit that was happening, too. I think there was eye pokes. I'm pretty sure. Just a dirty fight. What do you hear? Yeah. 
What are we hearing? Is something bleeding through into our microphones? I've heard this before. I've been trying to catch what it was. It's I ghosts, bro. I don't know what it's from. It's some interference. I see dead people. This is like, um, so I don't know if the people can Hold hear on. it. Can the people hear it? No, it was not. It was this. What is it? What is it? It's the fight. I pull up the fight. That's not. Oh, what you left the fight. Uh, Jesus no, no. Christ, Jamie! Just, no, it's very this low. Is, it's low we level. Just, yeah, no, we yeah. just debunked Ghost, bro. <laughs> Which fight was it that you pulled up? Uh, that that fight that took you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, when he ripped that guy's knee apart. Yeah. Yeah. He was the first guy to be like super scary and a, a elite modern level with heel hooks. Where did he start off? Do you know what promotion? Well, he's a Minotauro guy. Okay. Yeah, um, he is a Minotauro so guy. So he came out of Brazil. Probably Cage Warriors? I don't know, man. I don't know where, where we, what he was fighting in in Brazil. I don't remember seeing Cage that. Warriors is the UK. Is right? it? Yeah. That's where Anderson came from. Well, yeah, Anderson, yeah. when he made the jump from Pride, he did Cage Warriors for a while yeah. and then came over to the UFC. And I think that's when he started working with uh, the New Guerras when he started fighting in Cage Fighters. Oh, so he fought in a bunch of Fury FCs, Fury. fought in a bunch of stuff. Storm Samurai 12. Dun, dun, dun. Floripa fight. Storm Samurai 12. I want a t-shirt for Storm Samurai 12. <laughs> Damn. Throwback. Yeah. Real throwback. Yeah. He had Very a great... Um, it goes to show you how good Gary Tonin is as a submission grappler, too, because they had a great submission grappling match. Put keep Go back to his record there, because I think that was listed there. I think it turned out in a draw, and Gary it's Tonin Gary? is so much smaller than him. Draw, yeah, Gary Tonin. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was recent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that really 2016? I think it was. Because I remember, no, that was Craig Jones. Okay. 2018 was Craig Jones. Yeah, because I remember someone was posting pictures about, like, how he looks now. Tokino, he's got, like, he's got a fade and, like, this big mustache now, and he's all He looks like he's 1,000 pounds. Yeah, for sure. He looks like he's running through walls. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is he fighting MMA anymore, or is he just doing grappling? I think he might just be doing grappling. I haven't heard any MMA news. That's something extra scary about a guy who'll fuck your knee up. Yeah. You know? What's up? Look at the size of him now. Look at Whoa, that. Son. He's with Hick, Hickey Monstro. Oh, son. Dude, Jai. Look Jesus, at that arm. You saw I do not want to get my, my heel <laughs> caught in that <gasps> armpit. Yeah. <laughs> look at those that picture above where he's screaming. Look at that picture. Like, what in the fuck, man? No way. <laughs> look at Craig Jones just chilling. <laughs> That is a body designed to rip your legs apart. Do you know the heel hook game? Uh, not enough to really play it, but um, I spent a little bit of time picking picking the brains of mm-hmm. people who are good. At them, yeah, I like it. I enjoy it. Yeah, I think I can. I think I could actually p- get c- pretty good at it. It's like the basics of it seems pretty simple. It's just a matter of like getting comfortable there because I feel like my knees are just. I don't want to risk it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I can do like, it. Oh, let's play this game a little bit. Yeah. No. But if I find a, a partner that's not an asshole and just like really wants to like learn together or whatever, then I'll I'll do it. I'll go after it. Do you ever see yourself doing jujitsu matches or anything like that? Yeah, I've only done maybe three in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I did one. My last jujitsu competition was probably two years ago, two and a half years ago naga (laughs) just like it was random just like a random like oh okay i'll do naga today well there are some mma fighters that are at a high enough level of grappling that they can compete against really elite grapplers in jujitsu matches you know like um 
Chad Mendez, remember he had that um that match with um Jeff Fuck, why am I blanking on his name? Not Jeff Glover. Jeff Glover. Really? Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he choked him out. I think he Chad Mendez choked out yeah, Jeff Glover. I think he took his back and tapped him. Yeah. Oh wow. I think they were using the Eddie Bravo uh invitational rules. Make make sure that's true. Ah. Uh, Which you start on someone's back. Yeah. You know, in overtime. Yeah. You go to a certain distance. Is that Chael Sonnen's submission? It is. It's Chael Sonnen's organization, in which case I'm pretty sure they use uh, the EBI rules. So he got his back through sort of an, one of those overtime positions, but he still tapped him. And the other one is Uriah Faber. Uriah Faber is pretty fucking elite. Pretty fucking elite. Like in, Jeff Glover's an animal. Oh, my God. I love that guy. Super, super technical, you know, and very dangerous. And relaxed, right? Mm-hmm. Big time stoner. Yeah. So he, they must have set him up on his back. This doesn't show it. It just shows him have the back. Man, that's a hell of a fucking rear naked right there. That works all day on everybody, even a Jeff Glover. Wow. And that's why jujitsu works. You know, it'll if you're a lead, it'll work. Save your ass. Yeah, yeah. Three by overtime submission. So we were correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, so there's a few guys, but it's really hard to be the master of everything, right? Yeah, for sure. So for you, is, is there a balance where you're like, am I spending enough time grappling? Am I spending enough time striking? Do you do you ever like wonder what the correct formula is, or do you tinker with it at all? I have wondered, and I always wonder, but I can't like – so – a long time ago, maybe like a few years ago, Anderson told me like, listen, just you need jujitsu. Like you need it. And he's like, it saved my life. I love to strike too, but when I learned jujitsu, it changed my life. Mm. So you need to learn it. Put on a gi. Let's roll. Like right there in the living room, you know? And I was just like, okay. So one of the things that I learned from him is just, he's like, learn the basic stuff. Like learn the basic stuff get really good at it and then and then like use it to save yourself and you'll you'll end up growing he's like just keep training jujitsu you don't need this whole crazy secret system at the moment just make sure that you're training jujitsu and continue to learn jujitsu you know like so that's kind of my takeaway from the conversation Mm. so i just make sure that when i'm training at least i'm doing jujitsu you know like I focus on it, make sure that I'm getting better, make sure that I'm going with guys that are way better than me. So I'm always getting my ass kicked, but at least I'm always going with guys that are better than me all the time. Um, and, like, I enjoy it, but I'm a striker. That's it. Like, I enjoy it. I know that I need it. It's my job. I know that it can get dangerous if I go against, you know, if I go against a guy who's a high-level jiu-jitsu. I know that. I, I understand that. And I'm very aware of it every time that I train. And so I make sure that I do my job and I go to jujitsu class, but I'm a striker and I'm always going to be focused on, on, that's always going to be what like my go-to anybody, whether it's a striker or grappler, I don't care. I'm going to train striking and I'm going to train jujitsu too, but I'm going to my striking always. Do you think that that is like, you're letting everybody know, are you trying to trick people? And then next, next fight you're going to shoot on folks. 
oh, I don't need to shoot. I I'm, I'll shoot saying. if I need to. Like if yeah. if I'm getting my ass kicked and I need to take a desperation shot. But you would rather just let them know that you're coming out striking because one I of the things about I, I believe you do, and you're very good <laughs> at it. But one of the things that's interesting about real high level MMA when you look at the guys who have been who have been like legendarily successful, like George St. Pierre or Mighty Mouse, two great examples. One of the things is you never knew what the fuck they were going to do to you. Mm -hmm. And that overloading the mind with possibilities is a part of their success. It's like how much of a part? It's a good question. Do you think that there's an argument for using the skills that you have, which are quite spectacular, with that sort of a style? Sort of style that incorporates way more takedowns, way more takedown attempts, way more feints, just, just different combinations of things so you never know what the fuck is happening at any given time. Or do you think that it's better to just be the best striker you can and that'll be enough? You stop those takedowns, that'll be enough. For me? For you. Or just in general? For you. For you. Um, I think for me, it would be the best to just be the best striker. <laughs> just because you enjoy it that much more. I enjoy it that much more. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I enjoy that much more. I still have a lot to learn, a lot to grow, so that it's always going to get better. I don't think that it's, I don't think that's going to get bad. I'm still learning a lot, especially what you guys got to see like a few weeks ago. Yeah. Like, that's only the beginning. Like everything even before that was like non-existent compared to like the type of training that I've been doing. So I'm like, I'm really excited. So I'm like, yeah, Muay Thai is a lot more than just punch kicks and elbows, you know, and that's, that's all the striking. It's, so it's you're a just mind so game. It's, infatuated by it right now. Yeah. You just want to focus on a hundred percent. Yeah. Like there's guys like, uh, think about like. Michael Vinden Page, right? Mm -hmm. Like before he fought like Paul Daly. I'm sure that guy trains a lot of grappling as well. And it shows like if he gets in positions, like he's yeah. knocked out guys from weird, you know, weird positions. But when people watch him fight, they want to see like, they, they trust in his stand up. They're like, oh, this guy's going to do some crazy stuff. Yeah. And I kind of want to be able to, to do the same thing. Not crazy, like, you know, whirly stuff. But when people watch me fight, they know what to expect. And that's just like, bulletproof striking you know yeah that fight was uh very unexpected the way paul daly decided to take him down mm -hmm. i was like i was pretty stunned yeah i didn't think we were gonna see that i mean paul daly's so dangerous his fucking left hook is one of the best in all of the business his left hand period anyway he throws it both of them knew what they were going up against though like yep even behind the shit talk they knew like yeah it was a tough fight for both of them it was, but it was interesting to me watching Paige use his distance and that crazy karate point style mm -hmm. and that, you know, he had to he had to really look out for that stuff. I mean, he had to, he had to make sure that he wasn't getting dinged by that stuff. Yeah. When he's coming in with a, like, because Venom throws all this wild stuff, like, yeah. like a, almost like a fencer, like dives in on you and pops you. And you could tell Paul Daly was like, really having a hard time like finding that range yeah it's it, it's hard to 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 fight against guys that are long mm -hmm. and know how to use their body like athletically is he fighting douglas lima next is that what's happening over in bellator 
I remember seeing that Douglas Lima had a fight, but I don't remember who the opponent was. Who's Michael Venom Page fighting? Find out that. He's spectacular, though, man. Right. The knee that he landed on Cyborg was holy shit. He caved the man's head in. Skull. We've never seen that. We've never seen that. The x-rays were just... Insane. uh, Like, he got hit with a meteor. Imagine the pain. Imagine, man. And he was saying, I'll be fighting again in four months. He's like, I'll be fighting again in four months. And they were like, bro. Yeah. Well, I met not. that guy in Brazil. It's a tough man. Yeah, he's tough. He's been around, man. That's why when you see a guy like that cover his face and then fall down like that. Oh, it is. Chandler versus Pitbull. Ah, Lima versus MVP. That's it. Douglas Lima's no May joke. May 11th. He's no joke. That's a dangerous man, Lima. Be, yeah, I'm tuning in. He's a fucking enormous welterweight, too. Lima. Is he? I've never seen him in fella. person. He's a big frame really? fella for 170. <laughs> like, woo. Cuts a lot of weight, but he's so powerful when he gets in there. Dangerous fucking striker. Lima's, he's for real. That, yeah. to me, is as interesting, if not more interesting, than the Paul Daly fight. I want to see what happens. Yeah. You know? Lee, Lima's a little different, man. Like, he's not, yeah. not going to trash talk a lot. Like, no. he knows he's a dangerous guy. Yeah. So does Michael. It's going to be a good one. It's I'm a real good one. in for sure. Yeah. Well, fights like that really legitimize Bellator because these are fights that – they could be easily be a main event in the UFC, yeah. talent-wise, mm-hmm. you know, unquestionably. That fight, whew, Venom Page, is he's a real fucking hard pill to swallow, oh, man. man. Figure that guy out. Who the fuck can you bring in a train that can move like him? No one. You can try, but you're yeah. not. He doesn't even know how he's going to move. You know, <laughs> I think that guy just puts on music and just whatever happens, happens. Yeah, that's why this fight is so interesting because Lima is like way more like uh, has a, just a rock solid traditional stance. You know, he, he moves real well. Devastating power. That's going to be a really good fight. Where does Lima train? Do you know? It's a good question. Where's Douglas Lima train? Um, Jamie's going to find that out for us. Yeah. yeah, I'm very happy that there's a bunch of good organizations like like one and you know like the PFL now and Bellator. It's it's great that fighters have options. Super good. Yeah, yeah. And just it. A lot of times too, like I like to just watch whatever's going on. You never know who you're going to come across. Where is that? Mm, where is that? American Top Team somewhere. Is it? Yeah, Dude, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty combinations, man. He's got ruthless leg kicks too, man. ATT where? Which one? There's a bunch of those, right? There's a bunch of American top teams. He might be ATT Florida. I don't know. Is he? It didn't look like the Florida one, but ATT. How many ATTs are there? I have no idea. Is there a bunch? I should know that. I think I've only heard of training two or uh, three. Phuket Fight Club in, I guess, Thailand. Oh, really? In this Phuket article Fight right here Club. that just came out uh, yesterday. Phuket Fight Club. Maybe you saw your fight. It's like, fuck it. I'm going to Thailand, too. Bring everybody. <laughs> <laughs> everybody come. Joe, yeah. when are you coming? A Phuket Fight Club, huh? <laughs> wow. Uh, it says he's been a lot of places recently mm. for this fight. Uh, says, uh, honestly, like nowadays my life is a camp, Lima stated. It's been like six or seven months, and I haven't stopped trying to improve. For me, this is a lifestyle. Yeah, it's um, the only thing that really bothers me. The only thing that bothers me is that it's difficult to get a champion to fight a champion, like a champion from the UFC to fight yeah. a champion from one or to fight a champion. What's up with that? Yeah, I think that would be good for everybody. That'd be so sick. Yeah, it'd be good for. We should find out who the fuck who's running shit. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> find out right? how to make that happen, or yeah. how also <clears throat> how UFC fighters can 
do like Muay Thai fights on the side. Sure. I would love that. That would be hard for them to do though because you'd have to justify it. Like what if they got hurt and they couldn't fight in a card and then the UFC like loses an asset. You know, they would think of it in terms of like a, a possible main event like player. Yeah. Like if there's a guy who's uh, top of the food chain dude and he says, I want to take one Muay Thai fight and then he tears his MCL and then six months later still not ready to fight. But They, they should do some- it like if you're not – like if you're the top – 15 you can't do it mm. yeah that's not a bad idea right but if, if you're, you're not like if you're not even ranked then yeah you go can, ahead go crazy yeah do it more you, time. it's gonna be a while before they'll let you do a jujitsu tournament though right jujitsu's fine yeah jujitsu's fine that's fucking dangerous too though yeah yeah you can go against a guy like paul harris you yeah know? um yeah, yeah but i think it'd be cool that. man shop fought uh the other cyborg um, Which one? Brazil, uh, Ricardo Abreu. Oh, that yeah. guy. That guy. Beast. Yeah, he, used, he yeah. was one of my jujitsu trainers uh, <laughs> at Vanderlei's. Yeah. He's a beast. Yeah. He's a big man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Shab Ricardo just basically Abreu. kept him away. Just pushed him away from him. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't Wait, want to get his legs ripped apart. I think I remember that. That might have been the time where Shab was over at Black House. I think he was in a... He was going to go do that. Well, his his point of view was like, look, I have to fight. I'm not <laughs> going to get my leg torn apart. Take me down. Do something. You're not even doing anything. It's not worth it. And man. then later, he did sit in his guard, but he couldn't do anything to him. It was mostly defensive. He basically shut his, his jiu-jitsu down, though. I mean, that that he really did do that, if you really stop and think about it. I mean, Cyborg wanted to do something. He stalled him out. It's not a fun thing to watch, and it's not good if you are a Cyborg. Yeah. But... If a guy could stall you out, like that's a weird – in a grappling situation, that's a weird situation. Someone just defenses you, just pushes you off, never attacks, just keeps pushing you off. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and how much of your jujitsu is based on someone that's willing to engage? Mm. That's a problem. With, you, you it's see, a big problem. When guys go to the ground – Oftentimes, you'll see them almost not even securing a position, just thinking this position will maintain this way because it isn't training all the time. Because guys are just lying on top of you and you're in your guard. Yeah. Instead of just jumping out of your guard, going knee to belly and smashing you in the face, exactly. you think you can catch a little break because <laughs> you do all the time in training. You, you really see that with jiu-jitsu players sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. they, they forget. They have to hold on, like, especially guys that are used to training with the gi. And then they're in an MMA fight, and the guy's on top of them, and they, they think they're trying to set up a, an arm bar or something like that, and that people are just like, nope, I'm just no, going to get out of here. just chilling. Yeah. <laughs> going to get out of the spot. Do you Sorry. still train in Gi? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you train? John Jock. Ah, okay. Yeah. The last time I did it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Might have even been more. Me and uh, Russell Peters. Okay. We've done it a couple of times. We did it in Malibu, too. He's a good dude, man. John Jock Machado is awesome. Yeah, I heard good things about him. He's he's awesome. Couldn't be a nicer person. And uh, just really, really technical. Really good at breaking things down. Really good at explaining things. The big gym? It's a good size, yeah. you know. He's, he'll get like 60 people there in a noon class sometimes, though. That's it awesome. gets packed. Yeah. Yeah. Is it in the heart of the city or what? No, it's in Tarzana. Oh, Tarzana. Yeah. There's a bunch of Machado gyms still, though, I think. I think they have one in Redondo. Hey, it's me and Russell. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. But uh, he's just got just, just perfect basics, perfect advance. I mean, everything he does, he's always in the perfect position. His defense is always perfect. Like, when you roll with a guy like that, it's like, wow, there's so many levels to this thing. Yeah. Like, it just lets you know. Like, there's just level after level. He's never in danger, ever. 
Never. He's always <laughs> laughing. Oh, Joe Hogan. <laughs> Joe Hogan. <laughs> Joe Hogan. You're trying to get them out. Hinato, Joe Hogan. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You talk to that guy? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Hassan? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> he's hilarious, man. That character is one of the most weird, obscure. Like, think about it, that it's a character that he developed that's a, a fake Brazilian multiple-time <laughs> world champion. But the dude who plays it is a, like he's legit. He's a normal guy, right? He's he's one of Eddie's black belts. I think he got his black belt. I'm pretty sure he did. He's a really good grappler, man. Really? But, yeah, but he pretends to be this guy, Hanato Loranja. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I I met him one time at EBI and he he wouldn't come yeah. out of character. Yeah, that was him. He fucking gave me a hard time about James Brown or something. I think I forgot what it was. Oh, weed. Smoking weed. <laughs> But he's my friend. I've been friends with him for a long time. He's a great, great guy in real life. That's, that's not cool. that's character. Yeah, it's just it's he's so committed to this character. He's been doing this character for like ten fucking years, man. Does he do it just like in public? Oh, he'll fuck around with you in public. <laughs> he'll bust out the character. He's always on. It's got to be fun though. You got to yeah. have a character. Yeah, but some people got really mad at him though. Like Nate Diaz got legitimately mad at him. Was that at the at the booth? Yes. It's like the OTM yes. booth? Yeah, something okay. like that. Yeah, 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 something happened. I think I saw the video. They got and, uh, you know, Nate was like, get the fuck out of here, bitch. And he was like, oh, hey, I'm just fucking around. <laughs> this is, what in the hell, bro? Is that his IG right there? Yeah. You have to turn it away because of the girl's butt? Not necessarily, but he does have a couple. He's got a lot of butts on there. <laughs> uh, this character is always hilarious. <laughs> character hates child support and is always attracted to butts. It's child like, support. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a crazy character, man. It seems like something that someone would have on a television show or something. Yeah, you know. And it's ours. He's got it's only for like only MMA people and jujitsu people know about it. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, once you get it, you go try to hit the streets with that joke. They'll be like, what are you saying? I'm almost positive he's a black belt. He's a very legit martial artist. That's pretty cool. Yeah, his dad was a karate instructor, too. He's a bad motherfucker. He's a real martial artist. It's fun. It's a, that character is just so funny. Yeah. I got to meet him. We can arrange that. That'd sure. be cool shit. So what is next for you after this past fight? Um, what do they do? Do they, do they give you some time to recover? And then hit you with some options. Does your management contact the UFC? How does it work? Uh, yeah, it could be management contacting them or just UFC reaching out just to see when I'll be ready. Um, but since the fight, like I just took a little bit of time off to see the family. It's been a while since I've seen them. Do they and, ever offer you like a short notice fight? Uh, I've gotten offered a short notice fight before. I got offered that a, a, my, a long time ago. I got offered that Gustafson fight. It was like a long shot. Didn't think I was going to get it, but I was down. I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And it was like, I think 10 days notice, Whoa. seven days notice at the, at the, the one in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't happen. And then I offered to be the replacement for the fight in Sao Paulo that Eric Anders stepped in for. But Against Tiago? It was either going to be against him or Manoa. Who was the first, who was supposed to fight first? Tiago. He mm. was like, someone pulled out of that card. I'm not or sure. out of that fight. I don't Yeah, remember. someone pulled out of it, and then they offered me since I was already in Brazil. Mm-hmm. But um, I think they needed a Brazilian to fill the card, so um, I couldn't do it. So, yeah, there's been times that I've been willing to step in short notice. Um, but for now, I'm like, if what I've learned in four months has been able to get me this far in a lot, like in my last fight, then I'm going to go back and just get get back to training so I can be ready when they call me again. So what do you anticipate? How many times would you like to fight a year? I want to fight at least two more times this year. Yeah. 
So I've I've got to learn what works for me just based off the time put into this camp and kind of this new system that I can start to develop. So now just get back, start training it, and then get into a fight camp. So, And, like, typically what do you like? Do you like eight weeks, 12 weeks? Like what do you, what do you, what do you need to prepare? I think eight weeks is perfect. Yeah, eight weeks is perfect. I'll take six weeks. Um, four weeks feels kind of like, yeah, you know, like everything's kind of got to be rushed. But, uh, yeah, I think six to eight weeks is perfect. And what are you doing for recovery while you're out there? Are you doing Thai massage? Are you doing any <laughs> Dude, Thai massages are so cheap. Yeah. yeah like, you can get a two-hour Thai massage for yourself. You can get a two-hour Thai massage for maybe, like, ten bucks. Wow. Two hours, full body, like, That's Thai incredible. massage with elbows and feet, everything. They That's can incredible. just feel amazing. And then um, they do the ice baths, but they put, like, big blocks of ice. They don't put bags. So there's a bunch of just ice baths and massages. That's it. The stretching. But uh, I really, uh, I really want to do something down there, like save some money and maybe get like recovery place going. Like what kind of recovery place? I want to bring something down there. I, I didn't even, I wasn't going to give out this idea, but whatever, who cares? Um, I think because there's so much stuff down there, uh, gyms, CrossFit, restaurants, all that stuff. Uh, I think the only thing it's lacking is a, proper recovery cryo cold plunge mm. hot tub no massage just like speedy recovery you've been in the cryo right like yeah man you can go after a hard session and go cryo and go take a nap and you'll feel pretty good yeah but the you ice feel bath really good just getting out of it do you yeah. feel the same way from ice baths uh cold plunge yeah like yeah. the one at the pi that one's freezing cold i do a couple minutes in there and yeah, um, the ice bath. So in Thailand, because the the bricks are so big, it takes a long time to really like fill up and stuff. So they don't get as cold. So I think I would love to just to help out, like help that little community and just get something really like really good in there for just recovery and have, you know, maybe some, some type of smoothies or something to help yeah. boost everything up, get the system running again so that we can train multiple times a day. Now, do you do anything to monitor your heart rate or heart rate variability to see if you're overtrained or undertrained, see how you're feeling? Uh, yeah, not as much as we did here at the UFCPI, but uh, I do have a heart rate monitor. And for this fight camp, I use it only to um, make sure that I can get my weight down because I got up to like 235. And I did this like VO2 max test and I did all this stuff. And this, this clinic down there helped me to um, just understand when my body's burning fat. So where to keep my heart rate and how to monitor like when I'm actually working hard enough to, to lose the weight. And it worked. So it was good. It's, it's such a different world now with all these scientific inventions. And yeah. Different ways that they can make sure that your body's in a good space. It's not guesswork anymore. They yeah. Can make sure you're not overtrained or... Hundred percent dealing the fighting same something time, off. The same time I was doing VO two max, they had a like a EKG going on, everything. So I'm like running there, making sure my heart's pumping, my like lungs are functioning, everything all wow. all in sync. And they gave me this whole big printout of everything, and everything seemed to be working perfectly. So they were just like, okay, well, in order to lose this much weight by this much, this is what you need to be at. And when your body's at the highest fat burning stage is when your body's at, or when your heart rate's at, like. 178 for me it was 178 ppms and so i did my best to push there just and i at least know when i'm there 
I'm burning the most fat. So I'll try to get there as much as possible. Are you going to try to not do that again as far as like get that heavy? Oh, 100%. Before yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. But getting getting that heavy too was like I had lost the Johnny Walker fight, got to Thailand, oh, food, <laughs> sugar, like all this stuff. So I was just kind of like, I don't know what I'm fighting again. So, But now I'm I'm ready to be active. That was a big part of my decision to go there too uh, and stay there a year is I want to be active this year. Two Two fights, but – training where do they have you ranked now i don't think i am you don't think you're ranked even mm -hmm. top 15 no definitely not hmm. what do you think you should uh do in terms of the next level of fighter you face like what what kind of guy would you like to fight <sighs> man that's crazy i don't even ask myself those questions what do you do you just wait for the call yeah i usually just I wait for the call and whoever they, they usually offer two, they have like two options. Really? Yeah. Like how do you choose? Uh, usually they offer like, like the last time it was okay. There's Eric Anders or there's a guy like, I didn't even know his name. Like this guy is going to be new coming into the UFC and Eric Anders is, like, coming off a loss, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, sucks. I know Eric, all this stuff, but I'd rather fight Eric because I've already lost three times to guys who are making their UFC debuts, and it's just not good for me. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, they're tough. They're hungry. They're trying to get into the UFC. It's going to be a really tough fight. Um, and so that's kind of how I made the decision the last one. I was like, I don't want to take the risk of losing another fight to a guy who is making his debut. Because three times was enough for me. <laughs> That's refreshingly honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's what you, you, I mean, it's like we were talking about earlier about boxers having managers that have a strategy to keep them undefeated as long as possible, give them tests, and have them decide, like, when's the right time to take this fight? When's, you know, what's, what's the right thing to do? And as a professional, how much of an advantage is it to know what a guy does, know who he is, have seen him fight a bunch of times, been around him? Yeah, uh, it's... I just like just for instance, um, like I fought Gokan Saki, mm -hmm. and then they offered me Johnny Walker, and so like Johnny Walker was coming off Contender Series, but still nobody knew, like not even we knew. We saw his highlights, but we're like, ah, oh, well, like this. Look at the competition that he's faced, right? You know, so we didn't really get to see much of what he was capable of. So I'm like, uh, okay, if that's all you got, then I'll take the fight. But then here comes Johnny Walker, this, like, raging beast, you know what I mean? Like, the guy's huge. So, um, yeah, it was just – it was weird. Like, so I went from beating Gokansaki to losing Johnny Walker. Thank God Johnny Walker has been as good as he has and has made a name for himself. But still, like, yeah, I just didn't want to be, like, a – I guess, like, a a foot in or what, – what do they call it? Like, uh, a journeyman? Yeah, not a journeyman, but, like, yeah. when they say, like, you're trying to get, like, your foot in the door or something like that. Like, a foot I, in the I, door I guy. Someone, <laughs> someone said it on, on Instagram. I saw it, like, a few times. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just didn't want to, like, just be another guy that, you know, would could possibly give somebody their shot into the UFC. I was like, oh, let me fight a guy that's that's in the UFC this time. Well, so now that you did and you had the fight with Eric Anders and you have this spectacular result and now, you know, people are recognizing – that you you you've made some big improvement. Like what caliber of fighter? Like who 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 do you think would propel your career? 
Like, what would be the best next step? Uh, I mean, definitely, I think it's time for me to break somewhere into the top 15, you know, for sure. No, nowhere in the guys that are at the very top because they're all kind of tied up. They're all pretty tied up, yeah. you know, and I, I definitely think it'll be a while before I can actually fight Jones mm-hmm. because just of like how things are, how things are laid out. Like I know for sure Johnny Walker's ranked and he's already kind of like in talks, like he's the guy to beat John Jones. So I'm sure they're going to try to set that up. Mm. Right. And then there's like kind of this set of guys in the middle. Um, Did Johnny Walker fuck his shoulder up when he was doing that worm thing? Supposedly. Supposedly, but I think he's fine. I think he's fine because I've had people call me and like, hey, I just see this Johnny Walker guy down, down like on the street every day. I guess he's back in Thailand now. So, mm. so he d- did that flop around thing, and then he could he, when he got up, he couldn't move his shoulder. Yeah, so dislocated, it was like dislocated it. or something. Like that. <laughs> I think that's what happened. That's so insane. Did you? Were you? Yes, I was commenting. after right. Yeah, I think yeah. you called it out. Like I was like, what's going on, man? Yeah, yeah. He's. Um, I hope he doesn't didn't permanently injure his shoulder Nah, i think he might be fine i hope so yeah he's not walking around in a sling or anything right now but he could have a little but yeah after your fight with him he's made quite an account of himself yeah that last fight with that flying knee was insane yeah so i'm sure i'm sure before i get to the top i'd have to fight him again right what's up jim yeah i would imagine yeah he is currently recuperating from shoulder surgery after dislocating shoulder surgery dude ah shoulder (coughs) surgery That's never Man, he good. fucked up. That's I've, crazy. I've never known anybody to have shoulder surgery and come back like with a full, fully. Andre surgery. Ward did. did Andre he? Ward had shoulder surgery and came back better than ever. It says he's but he's a, also got the best doctors. Sure, two took, months took a long away. time. Two months from a comeback is what he says. He hopes to fight the winner. Two Gus, months. Gustafson Anthony, Tell Anthony t- Smith. He better take his time. He doesn't want to uh, fuck his shoulder up forever. You know, if it rips again. That's a great fight. Anthony Smith and Gustafson, that's a great fight. And, you know, Anthony Smith, account, he, he really held his own. Like, he made a good account of himself in that fight. He didn't yeah. win the fight, but, you know, he showed everybody how technical he is, especially in that first round. Yeah, fought for real, sure. Real good and sharp. John's just better. Just, John's just better. You know, I mean, f- for now, he just has his number. I mean, in the John Jones you're seeing now is a John Jones that sort of has, like, a real – goal in mind like yeah, to, yeah. He's, he's had it taken away from him and it gave, they gave it back to him and now he knows he has it and he's capitalizing on it it seems like it it's just yeah. like he knows what it's like to be to be the best but not be able to to really like do anything about it right for yeah. a long amount of time yeah and so i think it's i think it's pretty cool to be able to see this version of him and and to be active around this time maybe you know, maybe I'll get a shot or maybe he'll still be around at the top like whenever I get my shot, when depending do you think, on how it goes. If you had a timeline in your head of when you think you'd be ready to challenge for a title, when do you think it would be? Uh, oof. I can give it another year. Yeah. I think I can get one one more year, year and a half of good solid fights in to really – solidify myself in just in the UFC and uh and just put in the work and everything that that it that it takes to really embody what I think it would be like what I think it would take to to be a champion a successful champion not just like get the belt and lose it you know like mm. get the belt and then and then uh just be a champion for you know a couple months like no to actually be a champion and 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 hold it down 
I think, a little over a year. Well, it's an unbelievably talent-rich weight class, right? Because Cormier is still kind of in it. Mm-hmm. John Jones is the champion. You know, he just got off the Anthony Smith fight. Anthony Smith, Gustafson. Gustafson is still a beast. But no one is, like, really standing out as being, like, this person that everybody wants to see challenge for the title. You've got worthy challengers. They're good fights. But there's no one that you're seeing them, except Cormier was the only one. Yeah. When you're seeing him versus John, you're like, whoa, what the fuck is going to happen here? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen here? And that's what the division needs, I think. Yeah, you know? definitely. And that's something that that I can also see. And that's something that I also want to do for myself. I just I want to be the best version. And I'm starting to find out what that's like, especially like the happy, like – being able to do what I what I want to do and strike how I want to strike and stuff. So now, like, let's get some some fights in there to mix it up yeah. and really like test that, like test if it works, test if that's really going to be able to to sustain and and what it takes to get to get there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm willing to test it. Like, if they yeah. want to put me up against the the best grappler in the world and think that I'll have no chance on the ground, okay, cool. Or if they want to put me against, well, they already did. They thought I wouldn't stand a chance against Gokansaki. And, like, I was very happy for that because, like, I'm like, okay, cool. I get to test the best of my abilities, like, against a legend. Yeah. I didn't, like, I knew that I had everything it took to beat him, but I I didn't think, like, ah, he's going to destroy me. No, never. Like, so I want to continue to be tested. It's interesting your approach because I wonder if the the fact that you were such a non-confrontational guy and you are really easygoing helps you in that you have like less conflict in your head. I, I almost wonder because even the way you approach like these different matchups and everything, you like you kind of put your ego aside. You're looking at the, like what is the smart thing to do here? The smart thing to do is not take this fight against this newcomer guy. I've already lost to newcomer guys. The smart thing is okay. We, we realized that Thailand was extremely beneficial. Let's fucking move to Thailand. Like, yeah. So you're doing all these like really, really smart moves where, you know, you're, you're looking at it very logically, but you have confidence in yourself, but you're not, you don't, you're not like a braggy guy. You know, you're getting everything done with your work. You know, you're getting everything done with your results. It's, a, it's interesting to see, man, because you want to see as many different kinds of fighters as possible. And you're like a, a new kind of thing. <laughs> That's the most important thing though, man. Like I, I don't, I don't really tune into much UFC and like what's going on because of that reason. Right. I don't care about what people have to say in this. Mm. I don't watch fighting to hear what people have to say. You know, like I didn't fight. Like it's, it's not about talking. It's about fighting. Right. And the only thing that I can prove and have to prove is what I can do with my skills. That's it. You know. So like, if they put me like, if they put me against any type of other fighter, like if, let's go back to the roots of mixed martial arts. Let's go back to the roots of UFC. Like when guys weren't even the same size and they were just matching up different martial arts. Like, You'd be down for that. I mean. I'd consider it, and if it, if it, if it had to happen now, like yeah, I'd, I'd definitely think about it, and I'd probably lean more towards doing it than saying no. Do you have guys trash talk you? Mm, like you're a pretty easygoing guy. Easygoing. It's it's nothing to my face. It's always subtle. If if I ever hear about anybody saying something, it's just through word of mouth, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, yeah, well. But you never had like a Conor McGregor type incident where a only, fighter's only in the beginning with Paul Craig, but. 
Oh yeah. I think it was just it was just like his thing. We've like we smash that beef, you know. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, but what, what do you think about trash talking in this day and age? Because in in many ways, look, Connor is an amazing fighter, and his fighting skills what's made him yeah. such an international superstar. But he also talked some mad shit, and that helped him too because yeah. he was so good at it. It was funny. He would say funny, mean, insulting shit. It was fucking great. One hundred percent. Yeah, but and, I think what people forget, Joe, is that like that's always been Connor. Even when you yep. go and 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 look at the 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 interviews from before he was uh, in the UFC, and he was just like, "I'm going to make a bunch of money, and I'm yep. going to be all this." And so, like, he created that for himself. Yeah. And yeah, he made a bunch of money from talking trash because he always had a plan that that's was that's what he was going to do. Yeah. And so I think people try to hop on it just to sell tickets or get money. And sometimes it works. It gets people wanting to watch and it gets your name up and stuff like that. But that's not the type of name I want to make for myself. Like I don't like people talking trash to me, so I'm not really going to talk trash to anybody unless there's something that's really personal. But if I don't know you and I don't care about you, then I don't really consider it like why would i talk trash i don't even care about you (laughs) 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 it's a waste of energy it's a waste of there's like i got so much other stuff to care about or i don't know yeah it's well it's a very healthy look man i mean it's a the the way you're seeing i like that you said healthy like i like i like to maintain a healthy heart and mind Mm. as much as possible Dude, it's damn man. Like mental health is a real thing. Like, it is. You know what I mean? And especially, yeah. like, especially just having certain obligations and and just using social media and having people reach out and they say like, oh, ignore this, ignore that. But it's like, man, like, I'm. Just, it's hard to just ignore certain things, you know. Like, you right. still see things, and so just that and condition of the world and just everything, man. Being in multiple different countries and hearing this news and that news and blah, 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 blah. Like for a person who like, who wants to care about the world or just genuinely cares, like a lot can go on in my mind. So I'm just like, ah, I don't even want that in my heart, man. I'm just going to do my best to kind of keep my own peace and, uh, come fight time. I'll let it loose. <laughs> Dude, I like the way you're living, man. You got a great approach. It's, I just want to be happy, cool. man. That's I it. Appreciate like, that. Happiness is important. It is, man. It's a great message too, man. And the, to have it come from you, a guy, I love those kind of stories where a guy's life was all fucked up and you figured it out, man. And you put it together. Man, tell me like nothing feels better than just like being fucking happy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like right? when you're just, when you're okay with your life, yeah. when you're okay with your, 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 your heart and your integrity, yeah. when you just feel like, you know what? I haven't, no, I haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. I'm I'm okay. I like life is happening the way it is and I have not I don't have to think about did I fuck this person over? Did I do this? Like no, everything is okay. Yeah. So why welcome anything else? Like no, man. Clear mind, clear heart. It's a rare thing. It's a rare feat to achieve balance. And balance is hard to maintain. So it's like it yeah. takes a little bit of fighting. It takes meditation. It takes anger. It takes like yin and yang is the most beautiful thing ever, man. Like that is life. <laughs> that is life. It really is. The opposite, the balance of opposites is constant. The constant flow. Like, that's why I love just reading, like, the Tao Te Ching and, like, just, like, Kundalini Yoga. Like, all the, like, cool, like, spiritual stuff. I'm like, yeah, man, this is it. Like, it just helps me to just kind of reach for this, like, this peace, this light. That's just, that's awesome. 
Do you see the contradiction in reaching for that peace and light while you're smashing people? Yes, and that's <laughs> the, that's life. That is life. <laughs> that's life, man. Yeah. That's life. You know, like yeah. to like a battery, right? In order for it to to give its power, like it's got to have the negative and positive like energies flowing through it. And it's just like I feel like a lot of the times people are too focused on one side, like too much negative or too much positive, and you need a a good amount of both in order for like that that energy to spark. So well said. <laughs> You're a wise man. I appreciate you, man. And thanks for coming on the show. And um, I can't wait to uh, do commentary for one of your fights again, man. I can't wait to have you there. It was again. really fun, Motivation. man. We had a good fucking time. Hell it was yeah. great. Thank you. Thank Respect. you. Respect. Oh, that was great, man. You were terrific. <laughs>